Ramble. I've been trying to explore ways to increase my creativity lately, and listening to audiobooks with Audible has been one of them. I've made it a daily habit to listen to Audible every day for the past few years now, and I can honestly say that I found a lot of inspiration on how to tell my stories through the titles I've listened to so far. Audible makes it so easy to listen to because it's pretty much hands-free, meaning I can listen to it as I'm driving, doing my skincare, or even when I'm cooking dinner. I don't need to set aside a specific time because I can pretty much listen listen to Audible whenever and wherever. Finding a new title to listen to is as easy as picking up my phone and scrolling through the app. They have thousands of titles to choose from, and you can easily sort by specific genres like romance, thrillers, or even nonfiction to find titles that pique your interest. Currently, I'm listening to First Lie Wins by Ashley Elston. The main character is Evie Porter, and she has the perfect life, a doting boyfriend, a white picket fence, and a fancy group of friends, except there's only one catch. Evie Porter doesn't exist. It's just a name given to her to complete her mission by Ryan Sumner, her boyfriend. I never want to pause this audiobook because it constantly has me trying to guess what's going to happen next. If you enjoy psychological thrillers that centers around a cat and mouse game, I definitely recommend listening to First Line Wins. But Audible offers way more than just audiobooks. You can listen to podcasts like ours on their platform. They even offer Audible originals like words and music. They have musicians like Mariah Carey and John Legend give us personal peeks into their lives as they explain how they bring their creative visions to life on Audible's original series, Words and Music. On top of that, they give raw performances on some of their favorite songs. If that's something that interests you, I definitely recommend signing up with Audible to browse their Words and Music original series. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. New members can try Audible now, free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500-500. That's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Bada bing, bada boom. What does your trash can look like? Don't say it's you. What does it look like? Don't say it's your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend because that's rude. But like, Because that's I agree. rude to the trash can. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so today's case is going to be really confusing because you need to keep picturing in your mind a garbage chute. So do you know what I'm talking about? The ones at the apartments. Yes. Those metal doors. So it's not necessarily a metal door. The way that it works is that in all the apartments that I've ever resided in, they had this multiple level garbage drop slash shoot slash trash room rubbish room whatever you want to call it it's like this small square room you open the door to it from the hallway and usually each floor has one and they all connect down to the main ground where there's like a trash compactor at the bottom Mm -hmm. now it's usually like this metal square that's bolted on the wall it doesn't stick out it doesn't go in it's just like a metal square and Mm -hmm. you pull on the handle and it kind of opens like Like a a letterbox like a mailbox yes exactly it opens like that if you even let it go for 0.2 seconds it will slam shut so Mm -hmm. for me throwing out the trash was like the biggest hassle in the world because you're trying to put this garbage bag in there before it slams shut sometimes it's slamming shut on your garbage bag and you got to like try to open it again and it's incredibly heavy and for those reasons I'm you not. sent me <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. do it. Yes, precisely. Uh-huh. And, it, you know, it connects to the bottom. So you've got this opening. Um, this one in particular that we're talking about today has an opening that's a little bit wider than like a 13-inch MacBook. It's got like a 14-inch opening, okay? and it's So when you mean when you open the trash chute yeah. 
entrance. Yes. It's like a MacBook size. Yes. Okay. But um, you have to remember that this is a heavy metal door and it's spring loaded. So if, if you let go for 0.2 seconds, it slams shuts on its own. Yes. Now, the reason that they do that is because your trash, once you put it in, it falls to the bottom level. Whether you're on the 30th floor, the 40th floor, or the second floor, mm-hmm. it's going to fall down to the ground where they have most of the times a compactor, which is this device that squishes your trash, squeezes oh. it completely tight. And then there's sometimes, well, typically a blade so that it can kind of chop Shut it a little up. bit. And then it goes into other bins underneath. And then those bins get taken out. Oh, it doesn't just go straight into a giant trash can. No, because that would be so much trash. Imagine a, a building with maybe, let's say, the last apartment building we lived in had like, what, 40 floors? Yeah, Each yeah, floor yeah. had like a bajillion people living on it. So imagine oh. all those trash bags just kind of plop onto each other. No, it compacts. It squishes it. It compacts it. it. Yeah, and it there's blades involved. And that's, So if I accidentally drop in there. Which someone did in today's case. And maybe it wasn't an accident. Oh my goodness. So it's like a slide, but with a... This is some final destination type of... Yes. So that's why they make that door the way that it is. So kids can't fall in there so that it's incredibly difficult. That's why it's actually even like sometimes... I believe it's anywhere between two to three feet off the ground too. So Mm. like a little kid can't come in and just... Like you got to be a full grown adult to do it. And I, being a full grown adult... I have trouble opening that door. So usually I send my fiance. I'll send him. (laughs) I'll send this man's right here. So that's kind of the story that we have today. It's a really intense one. There are lots of people involved. There's a lot of scandal involved. There's lots of people who end up suspiciously dead under suspicious circumstances. And it's just mind boggling the extents of this case. I don't even know how to sum it up. I know a lot of people love like a quick little one minute summary before the case starts. This is just going to blow your mind. It's fucking bonkers and it's infuriating on so many levels. So let's talk about Phoebe Hanschuk. I feel like I'm saying her name wrong. Hanschuk, right? When she passed away, you thought it was kind of like a one one incident type of thing. And you don't really suspect anyone involved, even though you kind of do. But then eventually this person goes on to move on with their lives. And then and then someone else that's very close to them dies under suspicious circumstances. So we're talking about a guy who dates two two women and they both end up dead in australia and guess what both his parents are judges okay so let's talk about phoebe Hansjuk because this this story is incredibly intense so phoebe she was always known to be like a happy active girl she played soccer she was really popular growing up i mean she was really active i wouldn't even just say that she played soccer she did karate she did kickboxing she was incredibly creative people said she was kind of one of those like artist type souls you know how you meet some people and you're just like you have to create something like I don't know if it's music I don't know if it's a painting but you just have like all of these non-basic thoughts and you just think different and I just feel like you're on a different wavelength than me you know you know those people yeah Yeah, Phoebe was one of those people she was just so good at writing she was good at painting she would she was an avid journaler um she passed away sadly when she was 23 years old but up until the day that she passed away she was every day had this journal she would write in it every single day doesn't matter what's happening what's going on if there's nothing to write about she would always write in that journal her mom actually called her the tiger cub because she was just such a vivacious full of life person she was just kind of described as a wild child i feel like i need to put in all of this positives because we live in a world we live in a society where if we don't do that people just point out the negatives 
when she was 13 years old, things started getting a little bit weird in Phoebe's life. So she started hanging out with a group of people who decided that they were going to go clubbing at 13 years old. So they got these fake IDs. They would go to these bars. They would get drunk, um, lots of underage drinking. And at 14, her grandma mentioned her being quite hormonal, romantic, intuitive, and very sensitive. By the time that she was 15 years old, she started hanging out with more of a wrong crowd and started experimenting with drugs. So a lot of men were obsessed with her. That was kind of like what was happening with Phoebe she was beautiful outgoing and active and she kind of had this this, like mysterious vibe about her all -hmm. these men were like oh my god she's so mysterious I mean I do have to add that she was underage so like I don't know what's so mysterious about being underage and like that's illegal but whatever they were just like she's so mysterious I love it so much so all of these men would constantly offer Phoebe free drugs and she would take it because she's a teenager and she doesn't really know better so she starts doing these drugs and she never really stayed in like a crazy committed relationship because you know she's a wild free spirit Mm -hmm. now phoebe had a thing where she was infatuated with older men that was her thing she loves older guys which is completely fine but she was underage at the time and it's kind of interesting because there's a pattern in the family so Mm -hmm. phoebe's dad is 14 years older than phoebe's mom and Mm -hmm. phoebe's grandpa is 11 years older than phoebe's grandma Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it was like a she just saw that kind of age difference growing up so she was like oh no in a relationship there must be an age difference i'm not entirely sure if just i don't know i just thought it was a weird pattern to point out there could be some influence right yeah a little bit right not saying like they were like you should date someone older but you know just seeing it so phoebe's mom also was in a relationship when she was 16 years old with a teacher who was twice her age before she got married she was only 16 when phoebe's mom didn't even have phoebe and she was 16 years old she was in a relationship with a teacher which is kind of strange because at 16 years old phoebe would enter in an illegal relationship with a teacher who was two times her age Mm. I mean, I couldn't really find out a lot of information about this relationship. I think primarily because um, I don't think there was any court documents about it. I don't think there were any arrests, even though it was incredibly illegal. And mm-hmm. uh, it just seems really weird. So at 16, she like ends up dating her teacher and he briefly moved in at one point, which I think is a little weird. But um, she also went on antidepressants around this age. And her parents didn't like her being on medication. And I know what you're going to say, but it's not for those reasons. So the parents were kind of against her being on these antidepressants because first of all her dad is a psychiatrist and he just felt like she was self-medicating like she wasn't taking it the way that it was prescribed like if the doctor had said take it twice a day she would just sometimes randomly stop and not take it for multiple days and then randomly get back on it and then try to be like oh I missed a couple dosages so I gotta just take them all at once and so it wasn't the fact that he was upset that she was on meds but the fact that she wasn't taking it as it should have been taken now what's even more fascinating fascinating and I think it's really admirable is that the dad refused to be her psychiatrist which imagine how hard it is like you're the parent you're like I can do the best I know how to fix my kid but he had to give up all of that power because he just didn't feel like maybe Phoebe wouldn't be comfortable with him being the therapist or with you know he just didn't, he wanted her to get help the right way and so he yeah, gave but, up yeah because yeah, can you imagine like hey the dad say you can yeah. tell me anything <laughs> No, <I can't. laughs> you know yeah. tell me how you're feeling how you're right? doing. But then 
I'm just thinking like um, that shows a lot of control because I can only imagine so many parents, they want to have that control over their kids life because they probably think that they can do the best for the kid, right? Yeah. So I think it was really admirable. He was like, okay, you're going to go see this therapist that I, this, I think is going to be okay for you. And then the parents ended up getting a divorce when Phoebe was a teenager. And she took the divorce super hard. Like she just was not into it. She did not talk to her dad for a while. And she actually got really close with her grandmom during this time. Her grandmother's name was Jeanette. She was also a very creative person. Like she's the type of grandma that'd be like, when I did LSD back in the day, like she's not the type of grandma that's like, you know, just telling you old stories that you don't care about. They're just like telling you some crazy ass shit. And you're just like, grandma, we're at the dinner table. You can't be talking about that. And so, you know, they got along really well. And I think both of them, (laughs) both of them were really sensitive to the world. That's kind of all of the sources that I could find. That's what they say. There's even a book about this. Um, um, there's a, a crazy good podcast called Phoebe's Fall and it's intense so they were both very very sensitive to the world they're a little more emotional and I think a lot of the times creative people tend to be more emotional and so they kind of fit that bill like and, you you're sensitive yeah but I'm not as creative as them I don't think but you're definitely sensitive <laughs> but I'm definitely <laughs> sensitive yeah yeah definitely emotional <laughs> yeah. and so I relate I like while I was listening to all of this on the Phoebe's Fall podcast I related so hard because I was like I am emotional <laughs> and so during this time she's 23 years old and she meets a guy at Lindley Godfrey's hair salon what a freaking name okay so this is like a celebrity hairstylist super upscale hair salon I'm talking probably like a couple hundred dollars to get a trim type place don't quote me on that i actually should have got on their website but i don't know okay and so she was working as a receptionist at this very fancy hair salon when this man walks in he's in his 40s he's very attractive very handsome very fit and his name is ant and he says hey i'm ant and they start talking and talking and then they eventually start dating now what's the deal with ant you ask right i believe it's pronounced antony I keep wanting to say Anthony, but he goes by Ant, okay? He was in his 40s. He was an award-winning event promoter. I don't even know what that means. Like, I'm just imagining, like, a club promoter. (laughs) But, like, a crazy event promoter. So he worked with people like Nicole Kidman, Michael Jackson, ACDC. So, like, he had a lot of celebrity clients. So I don't think he was a club promoter. I think he was like a rich regular promoter i don't know what that means okay and so he had this entire successful life he lived in this crazy upscale condo he had his life together his parents are judges i mean everything about him just seemed really put together whereas you have phoebe who's kind of going through the journey of life i mean she's 23 like what do you expect she doesn't know what's going on right now she's trying to figure it out she's trying to see which what is fulfilling for her what she wants to do for a living like where does she stand in this world like she's going through all of this and so i think maybe it was a trap to her like oh well this guy's like so stable like maybe this is like the rock that I need while I'm going through like this tumultuous time right so they start dating and within about five months she moves in with him now to be fair though I know what you're thinking she's not a gold digger she actually was paying rent so it wasn't like that she was freeloading she wasn't like let me just live with you for free because I love your condo Mm -hmm. now and though on the other hand I don't like this guy I'm just gonna put it out there complete disclaimer his parents are judges I'm not saying he's guilty I'm not saying it one bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it, mm-hmm. but I don't like him. I just okay. do not like him. But I am not saying he's guilty. But I'm also not saying that he's not guilty. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm saying. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know what I'm saying, but like if an attorney reaches out, I'm just saying. 
<laughs> not mm. guilty so and demanded that she quit her job he was like no that's beneath us like i could never date someone who's a receptionist at a hair salon like that would be embarrassing like how would i introduce you to my friends they'd be like oh hi nice to meet you phoebe what do you do for a living and you're gonna be like oh i don't even cut hair i like appoint people to cut hair like he was just really rude <laughs> about it like okay. really rude like what is wrong with a job like that you know like i don't i just don't understand what his deal is and so he was like you need to quit your job in order to move in with me like i I know that we talked about moving in together and like we want this for our relationship but you can't move in as a hair receptionist and so she quit her job now he did get her a new job at like some ad agency i don't really know what her official job title was there i don't even think she wanted the job to be honest but um it, he just called it a more respectable position Hmm. really gross dude yeah and so obviously right off the bat there's going to be issues in a relationship with someone like this um there was a lot so phoebe was really artistic she wanted to have like lots of creative things around this kind of reminds me of us so she is really into like having clutter having things that inspire her just like out on the table, having journals everywhere, like books everywhere. You know, she wanted to be able to express herself at any time. So she had like paintings everywhere. Right. And on the other hand, he wanted to live in like that hostile, sterile, hospital, modern, all white decor, clean vibes. Like that was his thing. He would even tell his cleaner, Sally, she becomes, you know, she comes up in the story later. But he told her literally, hey, this is what I want you to do to my place. Make it look like no one lives here. Mm -hmm. which like i'm not like dogging on anyone's decor style because like mine's really bad but <laughs> i just i couldn't vibe with someone like that like i wouldn't want to live in a house that's so cold it just feels weird and so people said that if you walked into the apartment you would never know that phoebe even lived here like you you wouldn't know that she exists because it just didn't feel like phoebe at all it just it, it was really kind of sad for a lot of phoebe's friends who would see it just kind of like oh like are you sure you're happy in this relationship it almost looks like do you even have stuff moved in like what's going on like i know that this isn't you right mm. and so phoebe starts experiencing more problems she started telling her therapist during this time that aunt always made her feel stupid always talked down to her um and she also started getting involved with like an uh, another guy like she was having an affair at this time so she had an art teacher and she was like kind of into him mm -hmm. and so she emailed him and was like hey do you want to have an affair with me like i know you're married and i know i'm dating someone but like do you want to have an affair with me and she thought that it was going to work out well but it didn't because he accused her of stalking him and then got her kicked out of the art school so that was like a whole ordeal right so serious? yeah so again it seems like i'm not saying that that was appropriate but i'm just saying like phoebe looks feels to me as if she's trying to discover what she wants you know and aunt wasn't really letting her do that I once she moved into this apartment, I feel like she felt even more like suffocated mm -hmm. and she even tried to break up with Aunt multiple times. It's not the fact that she just acted like nothing was wrong. She tried to break up with him multiple times. They had major problems. First of all, always made her feel dumb. Disgusting. He was super controlling really bad and he also she also felt like she just didn't have a say in anything in life like anything that they did anything that they ate even and he would always invite her to these crazy fancy events or like these fancy dinners and she would have to borrow dresses from her friends because she didn't have the money to buy dresses that work he wouldn't even buy her a dress okay see that's what i'm saying so my thing is if you invite me to a fancy place yeah, right dude no i'm not saying you have to buy me a dress but i'm saying if i buy a dress within my budget and yeah. you don't like it then you yeah. buy me the dress no, obviously if you invite someone to like yeah obviously you invite a 23 year old girl to a very upscale event yeah like everybody's wearing event. fucking tom ford and shit yeah. 
What do you expect? Yeah, you want her to pay her whole salary on the dress? Come yeah, on because you're embarrassed. Like it's one thing if yeah. she's like, "Hey, this is the dress I can afford," and you're like, "You look beautiful. Let's go." That's another yeah. thing, you know. But if you're like, "Why are you wearing that? I don't like that." Do you have anything else? Then it's like, okay, then you go buy it. So he, she would always have to borrow dresses from people, and I think she was just kind of feeling really. I think it was fucking with her self image, to be honest. I think yeah. she was. This is kind of what we see in a lot of. I'm not saying physically, but what I think is kind of emotionally abusive situation just seems like bad things are happening right and so she starts acting really strange with the family she starts kind of um being a little erratic a little unpredictable she started like saying things here and there that people were like wait why did you just say that like what's going on phoebe but again they weren't too too concerned and so phoebe turns 23 and her mom had offered her a birthday present on her 21st birthday so two years ago and her mom was like hey for your 21st birthday i will i will fly you out anywhere overseas that you want to go all expenses paid like you can have like this trip to find yourself, you know, to re- like an eat, pray, love situation, like a, a solo trip. It's going to be safe and I'm going to know exactly where you are. But that's my gift to you. She never ended up taking it. And during this time that she's dating and leading up months leading up to her death, she constantly calls her mom and is like, hey, about that trip that you offered me like two years ago like is it still on the table like can I can I take you up on the offer um I mean she's like what are you talking about like when do you want to go on vacation like you want to go on vacation Phoebe and she's like well I need to do it soon and I need to do it quickly that is so alarming so alarming and so she's asking her mom all of these questions and the mom just, you know, Natalie, the mom's name, she's like, okay, like, it's going to be okay. Like, yeah, whenever you want, like, just let me know. Like, we can plan in advance. I can book the tickets and it'll all be fun, right? They're kind of keeping an eye out on her. But again, it's not like she didn't ask for weird things randomly. You know, this wasn't like completely out of character that made them so like, oh my God, red bells, like we got to go, red flag. And then one day she goes to visit her grandma that she's super close with. And she keeps telling her grandma lots of things. She's like listen i want to leave aunt i'm gonna get sober i'm gonna start fresh like i'm gonna move to this town like where you live grandma like i'm gonna move out of melbourne and i'm gonna move here with you and then eventually i want to go to india and i want to volunteer because i feel like if i'm helping other people then my problems will just kind of disappear because they're probably not even real problems you know and so she like i said she just always had this heart like she had this big old heart and she just always wanted to help people and she was just at a time in her life where she was finding herself and so the grandma sits her down and she like wipes the tears from her face and she's like listen phoebe you can't just run away okay like you can't just forget everyone and then move to this little town and live with me and you can't just do that you have to do it the right way you got to go you got to resign from your position the right way you can't just ditch and you got to break up with aunt in person you know that's the right way to do it and you're going to feel so much better about yourself then you're going to leave and you're going to tell all of your friends and family that you're starting a new chapter and if you do it this way if you do it cleanly you get closure and you get to focus on the next thing that you're so excited about how do you like that and she's like that sounds really great grandma so she stays with grandma for the next couple of days and she actually even like reaches out to her friends in the area and one of them was like yeah i can get you a job at the golf course that i work out like she was setting shit up like it was all happening right and she even went to an AA meeting while she was there yeah and so there was a lady who had dropped her off from the AA meeting at her grandma's house now obviously her name is not going to be you know anywhere because it's an AA meeting 
And she said that the whole time, the whole time in the whole meeting, Phoebe's phone was just like running, just ringing and ringing and ringing. And then in the car, when she was dropping Phoebe off, it was still ringing. And Phoebe was constantly talking about how she had this rocky relationship with Ant. And in the car, she's like, oh, it's my boyfriend I was telling you about. Like, I really wish he would just leave me alone. Now, AA meetings are pretty long. Mm-hmm. Like those bitches aren't like 15 minutes. Like they're pretty lengthy. So the fact that he just kept calling and calling, like I feel like that shows how overbearing he is. It's like mm-hmm. one thing to call once and then like text. But like mm-hmm. the fact that for an hour he just kept ringing her phone. Like imagine I get anxiety when people um, call me too aggressively for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like I go into a little dark hole and then I have to literally like throw my phone away. I'm like, I can't look at it ever again. You know, I just it, it makes me anxious. So I can only imagine how <laughs> yeah. she's feeling from it. And I so- <laughs> think there is a whole thing nowadays because nobody yeah. calls anymore. Yes. So I think it's a very common society issue. Like people panic. <laughs> Yes. get a phone call why don't you text me yeah. <laughs> why don't you like yeah you know? and it's so weird because if like my mom calls me uh-huh. i panic but if she facetimes me i'm fine but like i feel i feel like if she's calling me she's like trying to tell me some mean shit you know uh-huh. she's like trying to yell at me and not look me in the eye <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah really? i think so <laughs> so i never pick up her calls ever just to be safe i'm kidding i'm kidding and so at this point you know phoebe talks to Ant, and he convinces her to give him another shot so she goes up to her grandma and she says listen grandma i love you but um i'm, I'm gonna go back to aunt i promise i'm gonna try to calm down on the drinking which is kind of interesting because prior to this she was like i'm gonna get sober but now she's saying you know i'm gonna tone it down a little bit i'm gonna try to get a control of my life and it's gonna be okay now there's a reason that the family was really upset about this obviously alcohol Alcoholism is really, really difficult for families and it destroys a lot of families. But for Phoebe in particular, alcohol was the one thing where she would wake up the next morning and be so depressed. Like, oh, it triggers, right? It really triggered her. And she would even tell people like she loves weed. She loves cocaine. She doesn't like alcohol because the next morning it will make her so depressed. Mm. And so it was kind of making her worse and worse. So they just were like, we really need you to get off of this alcohol. Like it's I know it's hard, but we need to do this. And also she couldn't handle the alcohol like two drinks in and she would be out. So she didn't really have like this high liquor tolerance either. So I was watching a lot of people thrifting, thrift haul videos, trying on thrifted clothes, all of that jazz. And I was so jealous. I was like, how are they getting all of these amazing deals? I don't really feel comfortable going out, trying all these clothes, going to all these thrift stores right now. And I am so happy to tell you that I, Stephanie Sue, am a solution finder. <laughs> so if you guys are interested on in finding out how to get free people for just $6, Lululemon leggings for up to 90% off, I'm going to tell you guys my little secret of ThreadUp. It's an online thrift store with the best deals around and today you guys can get an extra 30% off your first order at threadup.com slash rotten I find all of my favorite brands there and they're at like unbelievably low prices all the time it's one of the world's largest online thrift stores with your favorite brands up to 90% off of estimated retail prices you can shop from over 35,000 brands for women's or kids clothing they have handbags they have shoes they honestly have it all you can customize your search by your size your style your budget so you can find the best deals instantly. That was always 
my biggest fear before the panorama about thrifting. It's like, it's just so daunting. I don't know which one has my sizes. This is so much easier. I can just browse in the comfort of my home on my couch eating Cheetos. They also have an easy return policy, so it makes thrifting completely worry-free. So get the styles you love at a fraction of the price. You'll look and feel good with ThreadUp. And for rotten listeners, here's an exclusive offer just for you. Get an extra 30% off your first order at threadup.com slash rotten. That's T-H-R-E-D-U-P dot com slash rotten for 30% off your first order. Again, that's threadup.com slash rotten for the people in the back. So she gets back with Anne and she goes back into the apartment living with him again. And then that's when he's like, let's go out to dinner with a bunch of our friends. So she's like, OK, like life is resuming as normal. She goes to hang out with these friends. And during this time, she was like checking her phone during dinner. Like, I don't know if she was on the phone the whole dinner, which is, you know, maybe a slightly different story. But it seemed from all sources and all witnesses, it seemed like she was just kind of checking her phone, maybe texting someone back like very briefly. It wasn't like she was just like watching YouTube videos mm-hmm. and Anne gets super pissed off and in front of everyone in front of everyone Who's at the dinner is it? Anne's friend I think it was a mixture of both at this point oh, okay. you know so like I think Phoebe was pretty close enough with them that it didn't feel like she and also she's so easy to get to know is what everyone said mm-hmm. and so he just left her there he just like is that a 40 year old something to do like I can't imagine doing that at 25 years old I'm like how do you just leave someone at the dinner like oh, that's so rude like what kind of behavior is this what will your friends think so he, he was upset yeah he and just, just left. left he just like left And drove back without her. Just like left her. And so there was a girl by the name of Linda there. And she was kind of close with Phoebe. So she was like, okay, like, why don't you come over to my place? Let him cool off. You can go back in the morning and just sleep over, right? So Phoebe goes over to Linda's place. And they stay up the whole night just talking about the same things that she was talking to her grandma about. How about what she really wanted to do in life. She wanted to go to India. She wanted to volunteer. And Phoebe also started telling Linda about her childhood. Um about the fact that she's tried practically every single drug except for heroin, that she prefers cocaine and weed over alcohol because alcohol makes her feel super depressed the next day. And Phoebe even tells Linda that, you know, she's going to go with her plan. Like she's, she thought that she was going to give Anne to try, but it's not going to work. It was a lapse in judgment. Like she's going to go back to her grandma's place and get a job at the golf course. Now the next morning, Linda wakes up and Phoebe's drinking alcohol. Like the first thing she's drinking when she wakes up was alcohol. And so Linda was obviously a little bit surprised, a little bit sad because like this is your friend and you know that they're not doing that to be reckless and to be annoying like they're doing it because they're probably hurting inside you know mm-hmm. and so linda was like okay well what, what do you want from me today like do you want me to help you with something and phoebe's like yeah can you take me back to the apartment because i want to pack all of my things and i'm gonna go to my grandma's so linda's like okay that sounds amazing and so she stays with linda again that night and during this time phoebe calls her mom and she's just talking about hey can i rent your cottage like where grandma lives and i'll pay rent because I, I can find a job at the golf course like it'll be all good and then eventually I want to go to India she's like saying all these amazing things and then the next morning Phoebe wakes up again and li- she's at Linda's house and she's super coherent she's there's nothing about her that seems like she's uh, under the influence of any drugs any alcohol she's just writing poetry she's d- daily journaling in her little journal she mm-hmm. drew some things she actually drew and wrote poetry as a gift to Linda to like say thank you for letting me stay over and this is really important wow because she is such a good writer like she writes everything she will even when she's drunk she scribbles things down and this is going to become a huge argument later on okay and so she gives all these things to linda and she's like thank you so much you know and she's have you seen anything that she 
uh, wrote? No, okay. no, I haven't. Yeah. And so um, she gives this to Linda as a gift and she seemed really happy to start this new life. And then and then Aunt called mm-hmm. and Phoebe says, OK, fine, I will meet you to have one final talk to get closure. After their meeting, she tells Linda that she's canceling her plans and moving back in with Aunt. So I, it feels like Aunt is really good at convincing her to come back to him. Like, come back to the, it'll be okay. Like, the relationship is going to get better. You know, all of these crazy things. So now, this is like multiple times. Yeah. Like she wants to break up. And then he keeps somehow convincing her to get back with him. Maybe things will change. You know, I'm going to treat you better. I'm not going to talk to you like you're an idiota. Like, I'm sure he's saying all these things, but like, doesn't really do it. So four days later, Phoebe calls her dad and she's like, hey, dad, you need to come pick me up because Aunt threw me out. Now, listen, unless you have done something so horrendous, I would never throw someone out that they're just waiting outside my apartment building for their dad to p- come pick them up. Like what? And you're in your you're in your 40s. It doesn't even make any sense. And yeah. so she was literally waiting outside with her little bags for her dad to cancel all of his appointments for the day because he's a therapist. And he immediately drove to the apartments and she was just standing there. So she gets into the car and she stays the night at her dad's house with a bunch of her brothers for the next couple of nights. Mm -hmm. And then aunt asked to meet her for dinner. Gosh. I know, I know, I'm getting, yeah, this is really intense, but like all of this is really important to the story. It sounds like we're on this like cycle, you know, with her, but it it gets important. And so he begs her to come back. And so this time she moves in with him again. So she moves back into Aunt's place and she even meets up with Linda for dinner. And Linda's like, are you really back with him again? Like, what's going on? I'm going to pull out my hair. Like, you're driving me crazy, Phoebe. What's going on? And Phoebe is just explaining like, it's fine. Like, we're going to go to Paris together. And. And we've decided that this is going to be like our fix-all trip. Like we're going to go there. We're going to get some fresh air, get out of this town for a little while. And maybe, maybe we can find that spark that we originally had since we'll be in such a romantic city. And, you know, Paris is a really emotional place for, you know, what I assume to be someone like Phoebe, like someone who's really in tune with their emotions. Paris is kind of in a lot of people's minds like this very romantic, full of love and culture, you know, this type of place. And so she's like, this is going to be like, a reset button it's gonna be amazing right Mm -hmm. and so linda's like okay now linda did say that during this entire dinner she did not seem erratic she didn't seem depressed at all she seemed Mm -hmm. really clear-headed other than the fact that she kept going back with aunt but it wasn't like she was confused about anything like she seemed all there now she had a weekly breakfast thing with her dad every single week i mean it kind of seems like it was like the dad's idea to keep an eye out on her you know but also to bond right they they were huge on bonding the family loved bonding the family was really close and so every weekly breakfast she would tell her what's going on in life and mm-hmm. this time she seemed really happy you know she was really just kind this of is after paris no not yet they were planning okay. paris yeah but this is like after he was like i'm gonna take you to paris you know okay and so she's like telling her dad about paris she's telling her him all the things that she wants to do in paris but she also says hey you know like this thursday why don't me and Anne take you out for dinner because it's your birthday So like a birthday dinner, you know, it's going to be really good. It's going to be really fun. It's my favorite restaurant. I think it was like a Thai restaurant. She was like, I want to I want to go with you, dad. Mm -hmm. And so the dad was like, "Okay, sounds good. I'll see you then. Now, the Paris trip starts getting weird. So during this time, like they're planning for this Paris trip. And a lot of friends had mentioned that they heard Phoebe say that she was really excited about Paris and about spending time with Aunt and making their relationship work like Mm -hmm. she loves him. But she was also super scared that he was going to propose because she did feel suffocated in the relationship 
relationship and she felt like she didn't belong in his world she always felt like she wasn't good enough for him like that's what she would say to all her friends like I don't think I'm good enough for aunt and it was just really messing with her self-image and I feel like she was in this situation where she knew that she probably couldn't say no to him not because he had like a gun to her head but like you know the cycle continues and she keeps going back to him so I feel like she was almost scared that he was going to propose she was going to say yes and then a month later be like what the fork (laughs) did I do you know yeah And so it was just a lot like she did love him, though, just to make that clear. It just she wasn't ready for marriage. So now we're fast forwarding to like literally the two days before her murder. Oh, her death. Sorry legally speaking, her death. So she meets up with her old boss from the salon. And again, the boss says no alarming behavior. She didn't seem depressed. She didn't seem erratic. Usually people, before they allegedly commit suicide, there's some signs that in hindsight you can see. Maybe you don't see them at the moment. But in hindsight, you're like, oh yeah, she did give me her like purse that she wasn't using and I was like why do you want me to have this you know or she gave me this weird hug and said I love you so much you know like something happened right but the boss was like no she was completely fine now when she gets back to the building though the building manager his name is Eric and he was the one that noticed something that was a little bit strange so she had been begging for a permanent spot for her bike for a while now she hated bringing it into the elevator bringing it back into the apartment unit yeah Phoebe and so finally Eric was like hey Phoebe a, a permanent spot opened up and you can have it and it seemed like she just didn't even talk to him like she just kind of like walked away it didn't even register in her head i mean maybe she was distracted by something he just thought it was odd because she had been asking for this spot for months now Mm -hmm. and she just kind of like walked away from the conversation so he's like okay well that's a little bit weird but like maybe she's having a weird day so Mm -hmm. that night she goes to dinner with the rockmans which is both of the couple's friends so aunt and phoebe's friend and phoebe promised before they went out she said aunt i promise i'm only gonna have two glasses of wine that's it that's it it'll be fun and so she goes to the dinner and she starts drinking a little more and she starts drinking a little more and she gets more personal with the rockmans and she even tells mrs rockman about her depression now i mean like i don't know how who the rockmans were to and um if they're a professional relationship a little unprofessional you know but it's not the end of the world it's really not the end of the world but Ant got super upset and it was just like this he made it even more awkward like it's one thing for phoebe to say that and Ant be like i know honey like it's gonna be okay right but the fact that Ant got so upset during the middle of the dinner they got they went home early they were just like we gotta go bye and Ant dragged her out of there at around 7 30 p.m and she just like went home and allegedly continued to drink and he called it rage drinking because she just was mad at him and was drinking in spite of him now at this night at this point phoebe calls linda and asks if she can stay at her place because like fuck aunt you know like you're in a fight you're like i don't like you like i'm gonna go stay with linda and linda's like yeah absolutely of course you can stay at my place but i can't stay up with you like all of these other nights that phoebe had been staying up with linda they've been staying up all night talking and doing all these things and linda's like i've got a really important meeting tomorrow morning like i can't i gotta go to sleep Mm -hmm. now phoebe she wanted to stay up and drink so she's like okay like never mind um i'll go find someone else and so she hangs up the phone with linda and she starts calling a couple more friends to see if they're down to hang out with her and a guy by the name of bran hessian um she had dated his older brother at one point so i think they were like friends you know they were pretty close they had known each other for a while so they met up at 11 30 p.m and he said that she was super happy super upbeat her phone kept blowing up um aunt was like non-stop calling her now a little side note phoebe has two phones yeah so she's got a new iphone that was registered under aunt's name so like in his little family plan right but then she also had this older nokia phone Mm -hmm. yeah to the moon um the only (laughs) reason 
Sorry. <laughs> the only reason she kept that Nokia phone was to have her numbers because she couldn't back it up on the iPhone. And she was just like, I just don't have the time for this. So she would literally carry it around as like a phone book almost. It was okay. still working. So she could place calls out of there, but she just had it around. So she has okay. these two phones and Aunt is blowing up her phone. And so at this point, Brand's like, I got to go home because I have work tomorrow. Do you do you want to just like call it a night? I can drop you off. And Phoebe's like, nah, it's fine. Like, I'll stay out. And he remembers walking away from her and she was like skipping down the like sidewalk. Like it didn't seem like she was depressed or anything at all. So she goes to her mom's place and her mom, I don't know if she was asleep, but Russell is her stepdad. And like I said, this entire family is so close knit. And Russell took Phoebe in, sat her down, you know, helped her sober up. But they also just stayed up till three in the morning talking about life. Like it just seemed like everyone really cared about her and everyone was trying their best to help her. Right. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to the apartments the next morning and aunt was off to work and she decided to skip work that day. She was like, whatever, I don't want to go. She calls her therapist and keeps asking if she has an appointment that day and the therapist says listen i've got it all booked like there's no way i can squeeze you in i I can give you the number to the local hospital and if you feel something like really intensely or if you feel like you want to hurt yourself please call this hospital you know and she gave the number phoebe did call the hospital but i don't know what they told her i just don't think that she ended up liking what they had to offer her so she calls her therapist back again and is like please can i get an appointment and the therapist says i really don't have any openings like i can see you when you have your appointment but I just genuinely don't, you know? And Mm -hmm. so she calls Bran. He doesn't pick up. And um, she tells him that if he doesn't call her back immediately, she would throw her phone away and leave the world. Now, Bran wasn't too worried about this because she was kind of a dramatic person, like a dramatic creative. Bran is the one that she met last night? Yeah, her friend. Yeah. And so she was kind of a bit of like a dramatic creative she would always say these very big things you know but it, it she never said it with such seriousness that people were alarmed so he called her back and her phone was off but he still wasn't too worried for some reason at this point i would be worried but he wasn't worried i, I mean i don't know he probably knows phoebe better than i do right mm-hmm. so he wasn't worried and then all of a sudden this random guy comes into the story so this guy we're gonna call him greg because i don't know his name like none of the sources i could find really said his name so they met in an adult education program like a year ago so phoebe was studying some i think it was like art history or something it was for adults they like learn about these courses and she had met greg right let's call him greg and they got along really well a lot of them bonded over having substance abuse issues and they were just like, oh, like, that's crazy. Like, we're all working through it. Now, they hadn't spoken to each other in about a year, mm-hmm. like in a year. Right. But then all of a sudden she Facebook messaged him and was like, hey, I really need to meet up for coffee. Like, please, can we meet up for coffee? And so he was like, OK, sounds good. They meet up for coffee. And she kept telling him that she had all of these issues that she's dealing with with her relationship. She didn't want to tell her family about it. She didn't want to burden her family, not because they didn't care or that they didn't want to hear about it or they didn't want to help. But she just felt really guilty about constantly bringing her problems to her family members, you know, and the conversation, the rest of it was really amazing. They bonded over other things about the struggle of getting sober. She seemed completely coherent. He was not worried about her at all. You know, she even talked about how she wanted to volunteer in India. She said all of these things. She also talked about the relationship with Ant, and she told him that she just felt completely isolated, which is why she wants to go to India. She feels like she needs to see the world because in this little, she just, she's in a bubble that Ant is controlling and she just needed more. And she always felt so shitty for working such a quote unquote low job and Ant deserved better. 
Now, somehow at the end of this conversation, she persuaded him to drive her to meet up with her drug dealer. I just don't know how that happened. But I mean, I do know that Phoebe is very charming and just really sweet. And I feel like if I met her, I would want to do everything for her, you know. And so he was like, "Okay, like, I don't really like it, but fine. So he drives her to go meet her drug dealer. Now, this is all from Greg's perspective. There's really no crazy record of any of this. Mm -hmm. And he claims that she had gotten two ecstasy tablets from the drug dealer's house and she was like hey like I, I still have time to kill what do you want to do so greg's like well i'm an artist too you know that's how we met so why don't you come over and like look at some of my paintings maybe we can paint something so she goes over to the house and he's like i think that she popped one of those pills in the car because when we got into my house she's just trying to like make out with me and it was just a lot and so i kind of told her like oh no no like that's not like the phase of my life i'm in right now like i'm really trying to stay sober and like not do these things you know and he claims that she got very violent just kind of was very erratic and he had to literally restrain her to calm her down is what he claims so then around 6:03 p.m. aunt goes home now phoebe's not there because she's with this guy greg and so he contacts bran and he's like are you with phoebe and bran does not respond to that because he's like you're kind of crazy like you're scary and i don't want to talk to you i'm not even friends with you you know and so then he's like freaking out looking for her and greg starts driving her home now mm -hmm. he said this car ride phoebe's mood swings were out of this world like she would be screaming one moment and then silently looking out the window the next minute and then happy and then just like immediately start crying the next moment and he just was so confused confused at what's going on and randomly she said around 9 30 p.m as he's driving her back to the apartment building she said stop the car now this is near a place called festival hall like i don't know if it's some sort of like food court or like a open hall situation you know or like a shopping center or something and so she's like stop the car so she gets out of the car and she doesn't get home till 12 30 in the morning so from 9.30 to 12.30 a.m., we don't have any record of what she did for three hours. We don't know if she went to a bar and met up with some people. We don't know really anything. Like maybe she walked home, got lost. I don't know. So he dropped her off there. Yeah. She was like, I demand to be dropped off right here. So then 1230 in the morning, we see that her key fobs were registered at the apartment, entering the apartment and into the apartment unit. This is something that's crazy about this case is that all of the key fobs are recorded. No. I don't think I researched a case that was so intense on the key fob situation because there's a missing key fob thing that happens later. But like the fact that I'm like sitting here thinking like, wow. Living in an apartment, I never really like thought about that. I never thought about that every time I like go onto a different floor, it's like all recorded. It's yeah. just such a weird feeling now that I'm like, whoa, yeah. it's weird. I mean, it's only getting worse and not worse. I mean, you can say worse because everything's getting more and yeah. more tracked. Your phone, your key fob, you know, Neuralink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said your Tesla's listening to you right now <laughs> and sending all of these conversations to Elon Musk as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> It do be <laughs> collecting data, though. <laughs> it do be. <laughs> and so that morning, Ant wakes up at 9 in the morning. Phoebe's still asleep, and he leaves for work. Now, this is where everything starts falling apart, and everyone's got a different story. Ant claims that day that he took the iPhone, Phoebe's phone, to get it repaired. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, we'll say that one more time. He took Phoebe's phone to get it repaired. That night? 
like that morning. So she oh, gets okay. home at 1230 in the morning and passes out nine in the morning. So like about eight and a half hours later and wakes up, leaves for work and he takes Phoebe's phone with him to send it to the repair shop while Phoebe is asleep. Now, I don't know, like I couldn't mm-hmm. find anywhere what was getting repaired because I've never really taken an iPhone to a repair shop unless it was like a cracked screen maybe, but like very rarely. You don't take someone's phone. Yeah, you don't take someone's phone. First of all, I genuinely think that he probably either a took it for really sinister reasons or b he took it to try to see like who she was with what she was doing because he's really controlling like trying to snoop through her shit right so i think that's why he took it the thing about it that makes it really strange is that 10 30 in the morning a weird text message gets sent from that phone to all of phoebe's family members her mom her dad her grandma her boyfriend aunt um all of her friends her boss her stepdad her brothers Uh and the text message reads like this hi family i'm in bed about to sleep it's 10 30 in the morning by the way when i wake up i will transform into the most incredible human you've ever seen if not i will go to the hospital it's safer there i heard the special tonight is tomato soup delicious and nutritious i love you all very much but not enough to send an individual text sorry about that but enough about that time to sleep and i must be on my way merrily 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 life is but a dream it's like a poem kind of does that match how she talks it, no because her family gets alarmed oh. so i do think that she is a very poetic person so there's kind of like these two different interpretations of it mm-hmm. if i didn't research on phoebe and kind of her you know very creative side i would think this is a very 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 alarming text message i don't vibe with it right mm-hmm. but then on the other hand maybe this is her just being creative with it but either way all of her family members got worried like every recipient of that probably maybe minus aunt got worried so natalie I mean, the mom if- and has the phone exactly that's why it's like really confusing and he'll like later make up i don't want to say lies but he changes his story a little bit okay and so the mom she's like i didn't see this right away like i was traveling so once she gets that text message in her phone she's immediately calling all of the family members she's calling her you know her ex-husband she's calling her new husband she's calling everybody she's calling her parents she's calling everyone that has gotten this text message and finally they reach out to aunt and aunt picks up the phone while he's at work and he's like Wait, what? Oh, no, it's no big deal. Like, I literally just left for work and she seemed completely fine this morning. She was sleeping in a little bit. I think she was coming down from a drug bender. So it's going to be fine. But if you're really that worried, guys, (laughs) it's kind of funny that you guys are that worried. But I'll go check up on her. Like, during my lunch break, I'll just swing by the apartment so close and it'll be fine. You know, I'll just make sure she's okay. So the family at this point, they're way less worried because it's like, oh, okay. Like, you're going to go check up on her and everything's going to be okay. So I don't know if it's the fact that I stay home all day for the past, I don't know, year, year and a half. Time is all blending together. But sometimes I find myself with these unexplainable emotions. Sometimes I'm agitated. Sometimes I get frustrated for no reason. And I feel like it's interfering with my happiness and my ability to just really enjoy this time at home. And I feel like it's also preventing me from achieving my goals. And if that's you, BetterHelp might be the place for you. So BetterHelp assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can actually 
start talking to in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling that's done securely online. I love the fact that it has a broad range of expertise available, which might not be available locally all the time. The service is available for clients worldwide. So if you're traveling abroad or if you're living abroad, maybe you're like, I would love to have a therapist who speaks English because that's my primary language. This is the service for you. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, if you'd like, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you never really have to go through that awkward phase of like sitting in a traditional therapy waiting room. Like, oh my gosh, what if someone I know walks in? So BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. That was my favorite thing because I believe a lot of counselors are great, but if you find that match that works perfectly for you, it's just a different experience. Now here's the best part. It's actually more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Rotten Mango listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com rotten. That's betterhelp.com rotten for the people in the back. So the family gets way less worried about this. And also, Phoebe's dad is meeting Phoebe and Aunt tomorrow at Phoebe's favorite restaurant for his little birthday dinner. So everything was going to be okay. If anything was wrong, he could ask her tomorrow night, like, hey, is something going on? If maybe they were fighting, he could pick up on some vibes, you know, try to figure it out. And so at this point, Aunt going forward has two different stories. So the first story that he comes up with is that he went back to the apartment during his lunch break. She was still sleeping off the drug bender. And he told the family that I'm going to make sure that she's going to call you when she wakes back up everything's gonna be okay now Mm -hmm. the next thing that he starts saying is that well yeah i remember when i went to go visit her during my lunch break that she told me she was awake now so like the story has changed you know she's awake and she told me that she had taken two sleeping pills that were prescribed to me so i got this prescription because i wanted to sleep on my flight to paris that was coming up soon Mm -hmm. and i had gotten still knocks now we're gonna talk about still knocks later but it's not just a regular sleeping pill from what i can tell it's um it's like really intense it's for people who have intense insomnia. Like if you're just going to the doctor being like, I couldn't sleep last night, they're probably not going to prescribe you still knocks. Mm-hmm. And so he had had this prescribed and she had taken two of them. Now he claims that he got concerned and took the pill bottle with him when he went back to work. So what's even weirder is that everything else is recorded, but there is no record of him visiting in the middle of the day that day. No key fob record of him entering the, the building, getting in through the gate, parking his car, car. You need that key fob to get to the 12th floor, which is where he lives. Yeah. So how did he get in there? Spider-Man? No, people think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He didn't go is what a lot of people think. Okay. Like, how would you get in? Right. Right. It's like one thing if maybe someone had the gate open and you didn't use your fob to get into the gate. But like, how do you get into the elevator to your apartment unit? Like, none of it makes sense. He has no explanation. He says, I don't know why. I mean, I went. So it must be the building's fault if they didn't record that one. Like, it's just weird. Everything, every resident's meticulous movements were all recorded except for this one incident. It's not (laughs) even like there was one hour of no activity, you know, of anyone. It was just like, okay. And so then around 2.17 p.m. 
p.m. Another log shows that Sally, who is the cleaner, she comes every single Wednesday, I believe. She was there to clean the apartment. She had her own key fob into the building. She also had her own apartment key into that specific unit. Mm -hmm. So she gets there and she was surprised that Phoebe was there. She saw Phoebe alive and well. She was really surprised. Usually she's not there. Usually she's at work or like with friends. And Mm -hmm. so she quietly started cleaning the other end of the apartment. Mm -hmm. And then it was time to clean the main bedroom. So she kind of, you know, gently was like, Phoebe, do you mind if I clean the room? And Phoebe came out. There was no smell of alcohol. There was no sense that she was on a drug bender or on drugs. She seemed completely coherent. And Sally actually really liked Phoebe. So she had been cleaning for Ant for a while and she did not like their relationship that much. Um, It seemed more like a parent-child relationship. He would always kind of scold her and nag her as if you would a kid, not like someone you're dating. I don't know if it's the age difference made him feel like that was appropriate, but Sally just felt like it was all sorts of off. And Phoebe to Sally was always so respectful and kind, just always such a nice person. So Sally really, really liked her. And so Sally is like, oh, like Phoebe, why are you home today? Like, are you sick home? Like, is that why you didn't go, you know, to work? Do you want me to bring you something like maybe some chicken noodle soup? And she said that Phoebe gave her this vibrant big smile and told her, no, it's totally fine. And Sally had struggled with depression a lot. And so she told the authorities later that she didn't look depressed or sick. And Sally, just speaking from her own experience of having depression, could never smile like that if I was in a dark place. Mm. It wasn't a polite smile. It wasn't like a thank you, but no thank you, you know? Mm. It was like this huge, like very bright, big smile. And she was like, no, like I'm totally fine, you know? It wasn't like a thank you so much, Sally, right? Okay. And so Sally finishes cleaning the bedroom and she remembered seeing Phoebe go back into the bed with an eye mask on and Sally left around 5 p.m. Now, Aunt comes home around 7.30 p.m. He said that he stayed in the rest of the night just taking care of Phoebe, gave her a bath, gave her a massage, cooked her dinner. Oh, what a sweet old man that he is. And he tried to get her excited and happy by, you know, talking about their Paris trip and planning all this. And that night, Phoebe calls her dad and they talk for about 11 minutes. She tells him that she's still hungover from her drug bender, but aunt is looking after her, so she's going to be completely fine. And Mm -hmm. she also said, and I quote, I really need to stop doing this. So with this information, Plus the text message that she had sent earlier that day. Phoebe's dad was kind of like, okay, like it didn't seem to be a suicidal conversation. Now, a lot of the times I will say, I feel like maybe victims' families are um, not the most unbiased opinion, obviously, because, you know, they had gone through all this grief. But Phoebe's dad being a therapist, I really trust that this wasn't a conversation where he was alarmed. Like, oh my gosh, this sounds like she's trying to end it all. When Mm -hmm. she said, I really need to stop doing this. It just genuinely seemed like, oh, like if I can't get sober, I'll admit myself into a rehab or something type situation like that was the vibe she was given off yeah and so he was like okay sounds good like we're still on for tomorrow good i'll see you tomorrow and they hang up and the next day he's so excited you know phoebe's dad is like i'm gonna finally see my little girl like it's gonna be good this is the dinner date day right so aunt was gonna go to the dinner with phoebe and her dad this is very important to the story Mm -hmm. phoebe goes on her computer that morning she sends some emails and then she starts hanging out at home now around noon there was a building-wide evacuation for a fire 
fire alarm that was set off. Now, thankfully, it was a false alarm. Um, there was no fire. There was actually a lot of construction in the building and the smoke from the construction workers tools had set off a bunch of fire alarms multiple times that day. And mm-hmm. so this was a situation where everyone evacuated. Phoebe was seen evacuating with her dog and she seemed completely normal. Um, there was no she didn't seem drunk. She didn't seem like she was slurring her speech. She was walking fine. She was coherent. She didn't seem like she was under the influence. She didn't even seem depressed is what all the other neighbors said. Mm-hmm. She just seemed like, what's going on? Like, why is there a fire alarm going off? Now, between this time, after she goes back into the apartment with the rest of the neighbors, they go back into the building once they realize it's a false alarm until about 6 p.m. Nobody knows what happened. But somewhere in this time, she ends up falling 12 feet to the bottom of that trash chute and 12 dies. feet or 12 stories down to the bottom of that trash chute and ends up dying from what time five anywhere between noon to 6 p.m oh wow and there's a reason that we don't have an approximate time of death so Ant gets home around 6.05 p.m. And he, I don't know why, he's just like, I don't remember if the front door was unlocked or locked. I just don't remember. But when I got in, Phoebe wasn't in the unit. He didn't seem that concerned. He saw that her purse and her keys were on the table. There were mm-hmm. several post-it notes just all over the kitchen mm-hmm. um, and all over the bedroom. She usually does leave these notes everywhere when she's drunk. Like I said, like she likes to meticulously write things down. And he says... And I quote, the notes that she writes when she's smashed and they don't make a lot of sense. So like none of the notes had any like, I'm going to go get milk and eggs, like nothing. There was no indication that she had gone somewhere. And then he goes into the bedroom and he said, I saw a shrine. He said that he saw pictures of her and pictures of aunt and pictures of their cat all over the couch with all of these crazy post-it notes all over the place. And it just seemed weird. Like he kept putting a lot of emphasis on this shrine. Like this shrine sounds like someone is having either a psychotic break or they are suicidal or something's happening, right? Mm -hmm. But there's no evidence that this shrine existed. Nobody else saw it. The police literally went into that unit. They never mentioned a shrine. So we don't even know if this exists. But he made a note that like, oh my God, the shrine was there. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. So he also mentioned seeing candles burning. There was a hair straightener on. It seemed like she would be right back soon. It didn't mm-hmm. seem like she was gone forever. There was also bits of like smashed glass in the kitchen. So he claims he thought that she had broken like she was trying to pour herself a drink and she had broken like a cup and a glass cup and had gone downstairs to get a Band-Aid or something and thought that she would be right back. Now, 40 minutes later, her dad calls and he's like, hey, are we still on for tonight? You know, he's trying to ask all these questions. Mm-hmm. And this is where, again, the records get very confusing. So dad's story is that, and he has the phone records to back this up, is that he called Phoebe's phone and aunt answered the phone. Now, aunt's story is that I didn't even know that Phoebe's dad called. I just called him from my phone because I just wanted to make sure that Phoebe's okay. If maybe he had heard from Phoebe, if Phoebe is still going to dinner together today. Like he was just like, I didn't know that he even called Phoebe. I just called him. So this is weird. Does that make any sense? It does. But why would he say something so blunt? Because it would be suspicious if you came home, I wasn't home, my purse and my keys were there, there was like a little droplets of blood here and there, there was a smashed glass in the kitchen and I left an alleged shrine in the bedroom, would you just sit around at home? You'd probably start calling people and being like, hey, uh, have you seen Stephanie? But the phone record. I know. 
I don't know what's wrong with this dude. And so he was just like, yeah, well, I called the dad. I didn't even know that he ever called Phoebe's phone. Now, what's even weirder is that there is no record that Ant had ever called Phoebe's dad ever in the history of ever. So it's not like he called him frequently or often or even sometimes. He literally has never called him before. And so, again, I trust the phone records on this one. So Ant tells the dad, Phoebe's not here. And Phoebe's dad is like, what? Like, what do you mean she's not here? And he's like, I don't know. She's just gone. Like, she wasn't home when I got home from work and I don't know if or when she'll be back. Uh-huh. And he was just really casual about it. He even mentions that her purse and keys are on the counter in the apartment. And the dad, obviously, is not casual about it. He's like, okay, like, what do we do? Like, what do we do? Phoebe never misses family things. Like, yes, I know it seems it's so easy for people to say, well, she was an alcoholic. Oh, she had substance abuse issues. She was depressed, you know. But she fucking loved family events. Like, I can kind of relate to her. She's She was a little bit of, like, a social butterfly, but also kind of, like, emotional, you know. So she was, like, loving these events. She would want to go to these. She loved planning them. Why would she miss this dinner? It's not even just a regular dinner. And she's not known to be a flaky person at all. And so he's telling Aunt, like, please, can you call the police and report her missing? Like, you have to call the police, Aunt. And Aunt says, I don't think I should. Um, She hasn't been gone for 48 hours, so it's not like they can even do anything. The dad's just like, what? And so Mm -hmm. he hangs up and Phoebe's dad immediately starts calling everyone that they knew. And nobody has seen Phoebe. And they're all frantic and they're all super worried and they're just confused. Now, Aunt does something that's so alarming. At this point, Aunt orders takeout from that Thai restaurant that they were all supposed to go to that night for one. Just enough for one. Guilty. Okay, no, we can't say that. <laughs> Fucking guilty. Which is weird because, like I said, everything looked like she was going to come right back. The hair straighteners on. Yeah. Maybe she was going to go get a Band-Aid. If that were the case, you should just wait so that you guys can go to dinner together. Or if you're really worried or if you think that she's going to come back, order dinner for two. Like, what What? What? What are you doing? Yo, what's his explanation with that? He had no explanation. So when the delivery guy comes, he's like, hey, you got to meet me downstairs because, like, I can't get into your apartment. So he actually goes down to the ground level to meet with the delivery guy and the delivery guy's like dude like it's a shit show like there's ambulances and cop cars everywhere like i couldn't the i mean it's crazy i had to park my bike up the street like i hope your dinner's not cold and aunt tells the delivery guy oh my god my girlfriend is missing i wonder if it has anything to do with that and just like takes his fucking thai food and was like thanks So he goes to where the police are, right? And all of the... I'm going to get to how she was found, but he goes to where the police are and the police tell him that they found a woman in the compactor room, a woman's body, and she's, you know, deceased. And Ant says, oh my God, my girlfriend's been missing. Is it her? And immediately, Ant starts telling this police officer who is literally at a crime scene. Like, I'm sure it's crazy hectic. It's not like he's at a fucking coffee shop, right? And Ant starts telling him, you know, my girlfriend's really depressed. Her name's Phoebe. She's taken all these crazy medications for her depression. Just super depressed. I, on the other hand, was at work all day, but she's super depressed. Just constantly kept saying that she's super depressed. And it's just like whoa, dude, like, what are you doing? What's going on, right? So the police were like, oh, maybe it is your missing girlfriend. So do you you guys have any sort of indicators that I can look for? And he says, well, we have matching tattoos on our wrist. She's got a piercing on her upper lip. She has a tattoo on her stomach. And they're like, oh, she has a tattoo on her stomach. Do you mind going upstairs and grabbing me a picture of your missing girlfriend so that we can see if we can ID her? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. My depressed girlfriend, I'll go get her a picture. You know, so he comes back downstairs with that picture. And it's a match. And what was his reaction? 
Um, so the investigators who were there that day, they said that he was crying, but not crying. So like he was making the sounds and the body movements and the sounds that a crying person would make, but there were no tears, no red eyes and no mucus. So a lot of the times I've looked into this. Okay. There's something called stress crying, which you're genuinely crying, but stress for some reason in some people's brains, it doesn't allow them to create tears. Okay. But it does create mucus. It does create all the other shows of like a crazy intense cry or like their eyes get red. They're yeah. just not like, you know, water falling down. Yeah. So they were just like, well, we didn't even see any of that. Like we didn't even see his eyes get red or any mucus. Like it was just weird. So at this <laughs> point and <Guilty>. <laughs> <laughs> so this <laughs> that's not what we said, legally speaking at all. And so at this point, Anne calls the family again. And this time he's letting them know that Phoebe's dead. They're all like, what do you mean she's dead? What are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? None of this makes sense. She she was okay yesterday. You even said she was okay yesterday. What do you what do you we're supposed to have dinner tonight? She, you told me everything was normal and uh-huh. she's okay. What's going on? Now when they find out how she died, they get even more confused. So let's start with that. Around 7 p.m. that night, um, the apartment front desk concierge, her name is Betty, she went looking for a broom. Now, there's different sources that say that she was trying to go into the trash compactor room because they were having some issues with it uh-huh. or that she was looking for a broom because there had been a mess that was made. Now, it's in the basement. She hates going into this room. Immediately when you go in there, it smells like trash. You know, it's not really clean. It's not a great place to be and it's dark and it's just not cool. So she goes in there and she tries to open the door. But when she tries... The door is jammed. She can't get in through the door. Now, there is a small window on the door, so she's, like, trying to look through. And that's when she sees that this big garbage bin had been tipped over. There was trash everywhere. And she thought that was, like, a mannequin that someone had disposed of. But then she sees all the blood. All the blood on the back of the door, in the room, all over the floor, all over the walls, all over the woman that was laying on her back. And the blood trailed from the body from the compactor to the door. So it looked like someone had crawled out of the trash chute and tried to escape, like tried to get out, tried to look for help. Oh my God. Now, the worst thing about this room is that the light is motion censored. So when she was pushing on the door, it triggered the light to go on so she could see everything clearly. But most likely, I don't know if the light was on when Phoebe was in there. Because it Uh just looked really frantic, you know? So Uh there was blood and trash all over the place. Now, immediately, she there was CCTV footage of her running through the halls. Like, she is traumatized. She she cannot pull it together. So she calls her building manager, Eric, who had just left. This is her boss. And she's screaming. She's incoherent. She's just saying things like, blood, trash, like, dead body, rubbish, help. Like, she's just crying. Like, there's no way you can even talk to her at this moment. And so he's trying to calm her down and be like, you need to call the police. I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be on the way. It's okay, Betty. Like, call the police. And Uh so there's CCTV footage of her running around the hallways, like, trying to call the police. And the police get there. Now, the police get there before the ambulances. Mm-hmm. The police do not enter the trash room. They don't enter it. They just like stand nearby. They look through the window. They see a woman laying on the ground, blood everywhere. They see that she's not moving and they just don't even bother to go in. Now, when the paramedics get there, the first paramedic on the scene even said that she rushed to the door. She was rushing to the to where they said that the body was. And the police said, oops, stop. Stop right there. You're not allowed in because it's a crime scene. 
what? This literally goes against everything. Like, the, what are you talking about? Like, you're literally supposed to have me assess the body. I, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, why is that? What do you mean, right? And what makes it worse is, remember when I said there was no approximate time of death? Yeah. It was because nobody laid their hands on her to see if she had a pulse, to see if she was still warm, or to see if she was cold. Nothing. So the police assume that she's dead. Yeah. The first person to even touch her body arrived at the scene hours later and they were crime scene specialists. Why is that? Who made the call? Who, who? The shitty ass police that were there that day. And the paramedics. I mean, what are they going to do? Be like, I don't think so. Police arrest me. Like they're just, <laughs> what can they do? And it's so bad because a lot of the paramedics, they even talked about how they lost sleep for like months. Because they were like, I should have broken what that, that broken world? down that door. I should have, you know. Yeah. Like, what can you do? I mean, they did mention that even through just looking through the window, they believed that she was dead. But what is that? You know, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Because do you, that's the whole reason for paramedics. That's the whole reason police aren't allowed to call time of death usually. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't have the medical knowledge. Mm-hmm. And maybe there is like a very, very faint pulse that you or I or a stupid police officer wouldn't be able to detect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was hours later. Now, the blood trails indicate, though, that she survived the fall from the 12-story drop through the trash chute. She crawled around the room looking for a way out and died from blood loss. Her foot was almost completely severed off. So she did suffer from a lot of blood loss. I wonder what the mechanism looked like in there. So what happened to her? She... Okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, it gets worse because the trash company gets involved. Okay. And they're like, uh, that doesn't make sense. None of that makes sense. Whatever the police are saying doesn't make sense right now. And so at this point, Eric offers to give the police the CCTV footage. He's like, we've got CCTV footage in the basement hallways. You know, maybe we can find something. Maybe in the 12th, 12th floor hallways, mm-hmm. we can find something. And the police were just like, ah, it's fine. And Eric was like, no, no, no. But like, I obviously can't just give it to you because I think, you know, probably Eric would have gotten in trouble by the building owners. So he's like, but if you ask me for it, of course I can give it to you. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you need to do it quickly, guys, because we have this thing that's going on with our CCTVs where it keeps recording over. Like it won't keep the footage. So if you guys need it, like now is the time. Like now I can give it to you right now. And Uh the police were just like, it's fine. We don't really need it. What the fuck? I know. I know. This is almost as infuriating like as the Tomla case where the police are just so incompetent where you're just like, do you do you want me to do your job for you? Because I feel oh like just a regular civilian who has watched two episodes of Law and Order can can do the job, you know? Oh, my God, these cops. Yeah. And so the Guilty. police. Yeah. And so the police, they want to search Ant's place. They're like, hey, can we look through your place and see if anything happened in there? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Now, again, this is where the part comes. There was no mention of any shrine in the bedroom. Yeah. The police noted that there were post-its in the kitchen, but no shrine in the bedroom. They also found little droplets of blood on the floor, blood on the floor near the garbage shoot they found some blood on the handle into the garbage room on the 12th floor uh-huh they found that some glass was shattered in the kitchen nobody knew what the glass was coming from there was actually pieces of glass missing so even if you took all the glass pieces and constructed it it wouldn't form like a full object they don't even know what it is they can't even definitively tell you if it was like a glass cup that was broken mm-hmm. Th- that's how little they looked into this there was a little bit of blood on her computer mouse and her mouse pad But nobody was like, let's search her computer. They were just like, okay, that's fine. They did take her journal on the bed briefly, I think. And that was about it. And it was just, what the fork? What are they thinking at this point? What are they collecting? 
I don't even know. Do they are they investigating Ant? No, it doesn't even seem like it because the apartment unit itself was never taped off. Neither was the building. So people are just going in and out of the entire building through the trash chute, through literally, you know, level uh-huh. 12, all over the lobby, just everywhere to the point where they're collecting blood evidence from inside the apartment unit. And Ant has invited his friends and family over and they're just like in the unit comforting him. Like, you're not supposed to be in there. They're, like, going around using the restroom, touching things. Like, I don't know, whipping up some what? eggs for Ant. Like, they're just walking around when all the evidence has yet to be collected. Nine hours after she was found by Betty, she was finally taken to a hospital and declared dead. I can't even tell you how unprofessional I think that is, but just like the disrespect, not even just the unprofessionalism, just the absolute fucking disrespect. How do you just leave her laying there on her back for nine hours? Is it because they're collecting like data? Um, They didn't really collect much. They were just like, oh, yeah, it looks like she was crawling around all bloody. Like that was like there was no crazy data that they collected, like nothing. Mm hmm. And so the problem is that the medical examiner is usually called to the scene of the crime and they never called them. They just brought it to the hospital because usually you want the coroner to get there so that they can see the crime scene. They can declare her dead at the crime scene. But also, you know, these people, they can kind of dictate if something gets investigated, because if they say that the cause of death was natural, the police aren't going to investigate it. But -hmm. if they say it was homicide, then that's a different story. So that's why it's so important for them to be at the crime scene so that they can kind of get a situation, you know, they can kind of see, oh, is it natural for her to fall down the chute like this? Like, is this something that could have accidentally happened? Mm-hmm. But they weren't called there. So that takes away any sense of the surroundings away from the medical examiner. Mm-hmm. They also, the police didn't get any statements from aunts, um, aunts' colleagues. Like, he, they got a brief statement from aunt, but they didn't get any from his colleagues, any from the building managers, any from the building employees until like months after the fact. So you really couldn't even get like a crazy airtight alibi for Ant. Hey, you know that thing in your pants? Your credit card. Sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. You know your credit card? The one that you're kind of afraid to look up and see what the balance is to see when you got to pay that next due date. Or maybe you got two credit cards and you're like, man, they got different due dates. I'm a little nervous. That used to be me, okay? I feel you. I avoided paying off my credit card debt until it was time that it just came knocking on my door, just smacked me in the face. And I really, really wish that I knew about Upstart because it could have changed the game. It could have saved me from so much much heartbreak. Upstart can actually help you face that fear and finally help you pay it off. If you have multiple credit cards, tracking these multiple balances, these due dates, these website logins, they get incredibly stressful. So Upstart makes it super simple with only one monthly payment in one place. It's a fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all done online. So whether it's paying off those credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. I love the fact that they find smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. With a five-minute online rate check, you can actually see your rate upfront for loans from $1,000 to $50,000, and you can also get approved the same day and receive funds as fast as one business day. If debt feels like it's just taking over your life and it's like this weight on your shoulders, it's time to get a fresh start with Upstart. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash rotten. That's upstart.com slash rotten. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash rotten for the people in the back. 
And so finally, the family had to be taken to the morgue so that they can identify her body, which, by the way, like that's a really intense process because it's not like a funeral home where they they get you prepped for the maybe like an open casket viewing or for the family to see the body. They just kind of like show you with all their injuries, you know, like they only show you the face really, but still that's just, it's a really intense process. So the people at the morgue, they tell the family that the police had requested an autopsy be done. And immediately Phoebe's dad was like emotional. He was against the idea. He was like, no, like that means they're going to cut up my little baby girl. Like I don't want them to like cut open her scalp. Cause that's what they do. Like an autopsy, they take out all your insides and like inspect it and shit and then put it back in, you know? And so he was just like, I just don't, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this. And so he was like, no, 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 that can't happen. And the morgue people are like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter because you're not the one making the decision. You're not the senior next of kin. And the parents are like, what do you mean we're not the senior next of kin? She is not married, which means we are legally the senior next of kin. And they say, no, because Aunt already registered as the senior next of kin because he's in a de facto relationship with her, which I think in American terms, because this is an Australian case, I feel like it's kind of like a domestic partnership. I think if you live together for a certain number of years, depending on the state, you're like in this domestic partnership where you own like, like there's some legal shit that happens with that. Right. And so it had only been 18 months since they had been dating, but he filed for senior next of kin. Where is the audacity in that? And so the morgue says, well, sorry, parents, I know you say no, but the senior next of kin who happens kin who happens to be aunt already gave consent to the autopsy. So, OK, so, so that means he gets all the decision making in what happens to her right, body right, and right. all of that. So is autopsy good for him? So later on, it will be good for the whole family. So they get on the same page about the autopsy. So Aunt just tells them, I just want to figure out what happened to Phoebe. And they all just get on board and they're like, you're right, you're right. We should do an autopsy. Now, the person who does the autopsy is Dr. Matthew Lynch. And he is actually friends with a judge by the name of Felicity, who happens to be Aunt's stepmom. So he begins the autopsy and he noted that the jeans were she was wearing jeans. Phoebe was wearing jeans that day and she they were extensively bloodstained. The waistband was just below the knees. So her jeans were completely pulled down, but her underwear and her bra were still on in the positions that it should be on. The right leg of the jean part had been extensively torn. The belt was not looped through all of the loops of the jeans. And it just was really, really strange. So they get into the toxicology levels now. Now, the police had already told the medical examiners and kind of everyone involved in the case that they probably thought it was like a freak accident or a suicide situation, which like makes no sense. But like we'll get to that. And so the reports show that she had still knocks in her system, like I said, is a sleeping drug used to treat people with insomnia. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, if you Google it, a lot of the side effects say worsened insomnia, nightmares, hallucinations. You know, it's not a regular sleep aid. It's not like a ZZ quill or whatever. You shouldn't use it for more than four weeks. And... It's kind of like Ambien is what I can get out of it. So Ambien, I know some people love it, but I know for some people it makes them sleepwalk. It makes them like eat, like go to the kitchen and like make breakfast while they're on Ambien, but they have no idea that they're doing that and they're kind of asleep. It just like kind of makes weird things happen. But I just want to point out that these are normal everyday activities. So most people who are on these sleep aids who have reports of getting up and sleepwalking and doing things, they do things that they do every day. They make breakfast, they clean, they Mm -hmm. feed their dog, but they don't shove themselves down a trash chute. 
She did have a blood alcohol level of 0.16, which is super high. It was about three times the driving limit in Australia. And it's not supposed to be used with a sleep aid. Like it just makes everything worse. She also had a drug in her system for muscle cramps. She also had antidepressants in her system and cough medicine, which cough medicine when mixed with alcohol, again, can have some crazy side effects. So her injuries, it is very clear that she went feet first. So her foot, her right foot was almost completely severed off. It was literally being held on by like two tendons, like barely on. It was just really, really bad. That was where most of the damage was. If she had gone head in first, they said she would have been decapitated. Like there's just no way, you know, her foot had been severed off. Now, but that the, also makes no sense. Exactly. They also said that the machine was set on automatic. This will be a huge point of contention in a little bit, like a huge argument. She had bruising on the elbow and sides of her arms so obviously the medical examiner not being at the crime scene not having seen this trash chute was like that makes sense she's falling down 12 stories bumping into the sides of this trash chute makes sense you know everything seemed really consistent she wasn't stabbed or shot like there was no sexual trauma it didn't seem like some crazy event happened before she went down the trash chute now the very weird thing though that i can't get over and nobody can is the fact that her jeans were pulled down below her knees Maybe it's caught on. Oh, no. Because she's going feet first. If anything, her jeans would ride up. Oh, maybe she felt, you know, she fell to the bottom and she tipped over the whole bin and she's crawling out and it caught on something and pulled the jeans down. But it didn't look like it was pulled like that. It wasn't. It didn't look like it was caught on. Maybe the belt was caught on something. They say the Mm. belt wasn't looped around all the way. Could make sense. Yeah, because what mm-hmm. other reasons could indicate the genes? Can yeah. you think of anything else? No. Maybe pre... No, because we'll get to that. She had to go down the chute with her genes on correctly. Oh, because there's matching marks? No, because she can't even get in the chute by herself. Because if her jeans are below her knees, oh, she the, can't step the up. height of the, yeah, she can get yes. one leg in, but she can't split her legs like that because oh. her pants are below her knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she went into this shoot if or, she went in by herself. But if right. obviously someone put her in there, then that's a different story. But if yeah. she willingly climbed in by herself, they had to have been on the regular way. Which makes when she went down the chute. Exactly. Like, what's the chances that your belt loop gets caught on something and then you, like, wiggle out of your jean? It's just weird. No, I just... Okay, anyways. Yeah, none of it makes sense, right? So they never got an estimated time of death, which is very strange for autopsies because they will usually do something called, like, a rectal temperature. They, like, stick a temperature thing up your butt and they try to figure out your body temp. And that's how they kind of calculate your time of death and a bunch of other things, I'm sure. I have no idea, right? But um, they didn't do any of this. Getting a rectal temperature is pretty basic from all these coroner reports that I've read in like the past couple years. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, time of death is really, really basic. I'm not saying it's right all the time, but it's mm-hmm. pretty standard to have it or at least some sort of guesstimate. But there yeah. was like nothing. So everyone's just like any time between noon and 7 p.m. really. It's like, okay, this is weird. And so at this point, after the autopsy is done, Anne puts in a claim to receive the death benefit payment, like a life life insurance. And it was worth about $113,000. And he had made that claim. Now his dad, the judge, even signed a statutory declaration to support the claim, basically saying he deserves this because he was in a de facto partnership with Phoebe and that they had been dating for so long. Now, what's very funny is that the dad, I don't know if he willingly or unwillingly 
willingly, but it, there was a lie on his statement on his statutory declaration because he claimed they were living together and together in a relationship six months before they even met each other. Mm. So it just made it seem like they were together much longer, lived together much longer than they actually did. Now, when he finally got the payment, there was so much drama and controversy that he eventually just gave it to her brothers and was like, here you go. But I think it's just weird that he even applied for that. Like, what gave you the right and the audacity? Just like, who are you? And so the body would be released to Ant because he is the senior next of kin. Now, the family got attorneys involved because Phoebe's family is like, what would what like you guys have known each other for 18 years we have 18 months uh, yeah 18 months we've known her for 23 years like we've raised her we love her more than anything and like aunt what are you doing right and so aunt finally says i will give you her body like he's just like i will permit you to have their body but he still would not give up his status as senior next of kin he was just like i'll give you her body but that's it you're welcome Like, that's kind of the attitude he was given off. And then he immediately started posting on Facebook. Oh, yeah, Facebook will get you, okay? He said, for those of you around the world who don't know the sad news, my partner Phoebe struggled with terrible depression much of her life. She took her life on Thursday to ease her pain, to be at peace. We will have a memorial next week. It had been not officially ruled a suicide yet. Legally speaking, just nothing Mm -hmm. had been ruled a suicide it was an open investigation like none of this makes sense it's one thing that you need to put out a a memorial thing out there so like you could just say she tragically died she passed away sadly you know Mm -hmm. you didn't have to be like she was so depressed oh my god she took her life so like come to the memorial like what are you doing that doesn't even make any sense and so the parents they start applying to be the senior next of kin rightfully so as they should but also they requested that the coroner and anybody else involved in this investigation that they wish that they do not have connections with aunts parents who are judges very influential judges might i ask add and the coroner had a close relationship with the stepmom right these are Mm -hmm. all very normal things that you would ask for Mm -hmm. and if everything was pg clean then aunt and his family they might be like oh like of course like that makes sense like yeah you can be a little hurt about it because it shows that maybe they doubted you for a second but really it all makes sense i would be like absolutely that makes sense you know but aunt got furious he said i even allowed the body to be released to the parents and i am displaying integrity and kindness and you just spat in my face why is he mad nobody knows what gave him the audacity and so the mom and aunt actually met up um to just talk about phoebe's last moments like the mom didn't even want to talk about the senior next of kin she just she just wanted to know like was she happy like what was going on you know mm-hmm. i need some closure and she said it was a pretty nice conversation they -hmm. left on a good note he handed her a box of phoebe's belongings and he said that he only kept things that were jointly owned like things that they had purchased together and everything else these are all of her belongings from aunt's place now inside the box was missing her passport her medicare card her birth certificate her laptop her camera and recent journals that she had wrote in a lot so she was like really upset about this so she contacts him and is like hey uh where's the rest of her stuff like why isn't everything in here like her wallet's not in here her purse isn't in here what the fuck like you don't jointly own that like what are you talking about and so he finally meets up with her again and gives her her wallet and her laptop back but inside the wallet was no id none of her credit cards just like costco membership cards like a gym membership card. why was why would he take all of that i don't know and a passport photo of aunt and that was like it 
Like no official identification documents were ever given back to the family, such as the birth certificate, the passport, the ID, like nothing. What? Yeah. And so then Aunt decides to get on his little computer and write a long ass email to Phoebe's family. And he CC'd his own judge parents on the email. Disgusting behavior. Okay. He says to Phoebe's family that he's deeply hurt that Phoebe's parents are challenging his position as senior next of kin without the courtesy of consulting him. I am working with them. I do not understand this. In this email, he also gives the parents permission to organize funeral and cremation arrangements he gave them permission he said i allow you to arrange her funeral an absolute dickwad he also says my pain of their conduct is insignificant compared to the pain phoebe would feel if she knew they had taken this course so he's pretty much saying your dead daughter would be disappointed in you guys for demanding to be senior next there's to like 10. so many level of insanity in this whole thing yeah why you cc your parents yeah why you cc your parents who the fuck you little bitch like i don't even know what to call you but a little bitch like if you are in your 40s ccing your fucking parents you're a little bitch (laughs) yeah seriously (laughs) get out of here i'm so mad right now and aunt even told the parents in the email that he can't trust them anymore he will be arranging a private memorial and the grandma and all of the brothers are more than welcome to attend but pretty much made a note like a petty ass like backhanded like the parents are not invited and everyone's like, okay, we don't want to go to your memorial service anyway, you crazy person. And so all of Phoebe's close friends had found out about this memorial service. They went to both. So they went to Phoebe's family's one. Uh-huh. And they said that one was, it was a lot. Like they were all hugging and crying. And they were sharing these really crazy stories about Phoebe and how much like she meant to them. And it was just really emotional, right? Mm-hmm. And then they went to aunt's. And it was just a lot of them had to run out because they felt sick to their stomach. These are Phoebe's friends, right? That had gone to show respect to Phoebe, right? Mm -hmm. They weren't aunt's friends. And they said it's like, it wasn't even about Phoebe. Like the pictures that he showed weren't even the ones that really showed who Phoebe was. Like at the family's memorial, they lose, they use these lively pictures of her. Mm-hmm. And he showed all these pictures of her just politely smiling at like these dinners with him. Just oh, no. really looked like he was mourning for oh, someone who he wanted God. her to be. Like it didn't even feel like Phoebe. It's like, I'm sorry. Did the, is it the same person we're talking about right now? Like what? what this feels disgusting. Mm. just felt gross like that's what they said it just felt really gross right now she ends up getting cremated by the family and phoebe's dad has i believe there's like some viking in him i think um i think like his ancestors were like vikings or something i don't know i think his dad is norwegian i'm totally getting that wrong so they had this very um viking funeral so they made this crazy viking boat out of wood they put letters that all of phoebe's friends and family wrote to her they put Mm -hmm. her ashes and marigold flowers all over the viking boat and they pushed it into her favorite lake and they said it on fire and that's kind of how the vikings did it and it's wow. just really creative it's really free-spirited it's really phoebe is what i'm trying to say like mm. aunt has no idea who phoebe is and her family is really respecting her for who she was yeah so after all these emails get sent the police tell the parents that the case is closed and they think it was a suicide <sighs> Now, obviously, the family is confused. They're like, we don't understand. Mm 
We had all of these events. Phoebe, like there's one thing for police to be like, well, she was depressed. She obviously committed suicide. Phoebe was a social butterfly in family events. That was the only thing really a lot of people said keeping her alive. Like she loved her family and the family loved her to the depths of the earth. Like this, this was a close knit family. And there were so many events. So her grandpa's birthday was coming around, her dad's birthday. Her brother was turning 18 and she was actually planning on all the decorations. So she was even like telling her family like, oh, I think I'm going to go with like this color scheme. Mm -hmm. Um, Her best friend's birthday was coming up. All of these things. And what made it even stranger is remember when I said she was a compulsive writer? She wrote down everything even when she was drunk. Mm -hmm. You're telling me it's a suicide, but she had no suicide note. Mm. That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Usually people do write suicide notes. It's, you know, it's a thing. But like, especially someone like Phoebe would have. But like, no, you guys didn't even look for one. You didn't even take her computer in for evidence to see if maybe it was in like the notes or something. But Mm -hmm. the believer like, nah, I mean, the toxicology reports showed that she was depressed. She was self-medicating. She went down the garbage chute on her own. Or maybe the drugs made her so delusional that it was like some freak accident that happened. And they just like refused to look into it. Now, Phoebe's grandpa, his name is Lorne, L-O-R-N-E, I believe. Um, He used to be a detective. Huh. Yeah, I know. Her dad is a psychiatrist and her dad or her grandpa is a detective. And he starts investigating this full force. He like holds down the investigation. Not only was he a detective, but he was a well-respected detective. So when he came calling, a lot of former detectives and current ones, they opened their doors. They're not going to be like, who are you? Like, oh, God, it's him. They were like, this guy is meticulous. He's fair. He has a good head on his shoulders. Like, he's a good detective, right? Mm -hmm. And so they start helping him and he he starts investigating. The first thing he said is that the physics of this don't make any sense. The fucking trash shoot thing, just even that itself doesn't make any sense. Like one yeah. thing about, okay, mental illness, that's another topic. Like this just doesn't make any sense. The widest it opens is 14 inches by eight inches, which is about the size of a MacBook. And mm-hmm. so he's like, okay, for her to get in there while she's drunk, the shoot entrance of this particular one was three feet off the ground. It's a metal weighted door and Phoebe's tiny. So she does fit in there technically Mm -hmm. but it would just take a lot it would take a lot of work and physical dexterity and it would just make it exponentially harder Mm -hmm. so they actually get one of phoebe's close friends by the name of sarah they attached her to a safety harness took her to the 12th floor and they practiced on the actual shoot and they recreated the trash shoot scene and it was (gasps) insane it didn't make any sense also side note the trash shoot makers who had made that and installed it in that apartment building Uh they just were confused because the police kept saying it was set on automatic and even in the crime scene photos it's set to automatic at the basement trash which means the blades automatically you know cut anything that comes down okay there's a a different setting that's manual but if it was on automatic like she would have just been way more injured they just don't think it makes any sense like they said that she would have been chopped up like that's how they say it like she would have been chopped up like they just do not understand how it was on automatic and she she had bad injuries i'm not gonna lie but it wasn't as bad as they thought it would be. By the way, where did they get the camera? Footage? Oh, no. No. Fuck. Yeah, they never got it. Yeah. That like, would have... I know. Like, answer a lot of questions. Exactly. Nothing. Also, side note, you know, the only place it's appropriate to see someone lugging a huge garbage bag filled with heavy things is to the trash room. So I'm just saying it could be very easy for someone to put Phoebe's body into a trash bag and then open it like after she's maybe knocked unconscious and then throw her down the chute. Just pointing that out there. Not saying that that happened, but it could. 
So they just were confused. They were even confused that none of the police even talked to them because it would be kind of a thing to talk to the manufacturers of the trash chute to see even if it's physically possible that she got in there on her own. But they were just like, what? So the grandpa actually reached out to them and they made him a replica of the trash chute so that he could experiment in his own backyard. Like they made him the whole exact setup and they wow. tested it again and again and again, right? So they tested it with Sarah and another friend and they would get one feed in. So they would open that heavy metal door and mm-hmm. they would lunge one foot up so they got one leg in now this is why we know that her jeans were on correctly because to get the other leg in it would cause you to move like you'd be almost in a split when only mm-hmm. one leg is in and then you'd yeah. have to hoist the other leg in right mm-hmm. now here is the problem there's no there's no handle there's mm-hmm. nothing to hold on to while you hoist the other leg in. Your your butt is kind of holding back the metal door so it's not slamming shut because you've got one leg in. But there's nothing to grab onto mm. to get your other leg in. The edge of the trash chute compartment is about like a three centimeter like thing. Like you can't clip your nails in there and try to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing to hold so on to. So they're saying that it's like almost impossible for someone to get in. And so the two girls when they did it, they got in but they were fucking grabbing on all the walls nearby. Like they were like oh. trying to grab onto the walls. Now here's what's crazy. The police did test for fingerprints in the trash chute room. Uh-huh. There were no fingerprints on the wall. How would Phoebe get in? So that's impossible for her to get in yeah, without I mean, putting I mean, her hand. Well, I wouldn't say impossible, but like very unlikely. Right, right, right. There gotta be fingers. Yeah. And the two girls, I will tell you, I kind of was... Like, I'm on the type where I'm like, okay, like, maybe I can understand why as a friend or a family member, you might make it more dramatic to show, like, this doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, I can't see them being dramatic at all. Like, I'm looking at it like they are not trying to, like, go all over the wall, be like, look at how hard it is. They were genuinely trying their hardest, and it was nearly impossible. And so, finally, after, like, grabbing onto all of the walls, like, you can't grab onto anything, right? Um, She gets her other leg in. Now she's literally just sticking horizontally out of it. So her legs are up against the trash chute wall and her back is against the door. So now she has to slide the rest of her body in. It's not Mm -hmm. like once both her legs in, she's just going zipping down, right? Mm -hmm. Like she has to like maneuver her body down. But here's what's even crazier. She cannot get her arms by her side. They wouldn't fit. So both of her arms are up in the air, like roller coaster style. Like if you're on a roller coaster, just like, ah, right? Now, here's what's crazier. When you start going down the chute, you wiggle your body down the chute. Uh That door is going to shut on your finger. You're going to have it's not going to hold you like you're not going to be hanging on with your fingers there. Right. But you're going to have broken fingers, maybe at least some bruising. Uh. Phoebe's hands had none gosh this is crazy she had tons of marks on her elbow and Uh her outer arm remember when i said it makes sense maybe she had her arms next to her and she was bumping into the walls of the trash chute while she was going down Uh uh-huh but she wasn't so like none of this is making sense like the way that her arms were injured didn't seem consistent with the way that someone would have if their hands were in the air while they go down the trash chute Mm -hmm. and her fingers had no injuries even though that metal ass door would just slam shut on her fingers Okay. So these two sober girls, Phoebe's friends, they could barely do it. Mm-hmm. Sober. Now you're saying Phoebe did it while she was intoxicated? Like that doesn't make any sense. Sure, maybe intoxication makes you want to do something like this, like something a little crazier, but like it would be physically 
incredibly difficult. Like like drunk people, they can kind of have some crazy ideas, but the execution's never good. But the uh, the what's his name? Boyfriend, aunt. But aunt wasn't home and was at work, right? But we don't know her time of death. So she was found around seven. He came home around six. But after she was found, nobody touched her for hours. So we don't know time of death. She could have died at 630. She could have died, you know. But the trash chute people are saying the machine is set on automatic. Mm-hmm. No, well, the trash chute people are saying it probably wasn't. Like they were just confused. It was set on manual. But I mean, all the police in the picture say it was set on automatic. But they just don't get it. They're just like, she would have So how does it work up. if it was set on manual? Manual is usually when people are like going into the bins to like get rid of them. So if you set it on manual, you have to press it again to have the blade run. Who said it? I don't know. I guess the building managers, they usually set it. But anyone who has access, like any building manager who has access or building, like concierge has access to that room. See, I didn't even know yeah. this trash chute chops yeah. things up. Mm-hmm. So let's say somebody did this. Yes. They must have known this, right? Yeah. So they thought this was a way of committing a crime. Maybe. So they get that replica of that trash chute and they keep trying and they just cannot make it work to match Phoebe's injuries. Like Mm -hmm. nothing that they do makes it work. Mm -hmm. And so then they were like, okay, well, how about we try putting someone else in the trash chute? And so Phoebe's stepdad grabs one of the girls who pretends to be unconscious, like knocked unconscious. It's kind of limp. Mm -hmm. And he is able to open up the chute with one hand and then slide her in easily, shove her down and then close it back up. Very easily. So much more easily compared to how hard it would be for Phoebe to get in there by herself. So that was the first point. The jeans were like this huge thing, right? Like that just didn't make any sense. Um, Mm -hmm. The coroners also think that she probably was alive for at least five to ten minutes when she got down to the bottom. So she decided to take off her pants or like what happened? Like she had them on correctly when she went down the trash chute. It just doesn't make any sense. There Mm -hmm. was also a couple rips and tears in the jeans that didn't line up with any of her injuries. So it looked like maybe something had scratched her before she got into the chute almost. Like it just didn't make any sense. Let's talk fingerprints. So Phoebe's fingerprints weren't on the steel handle of the trash chute or on the wall of the trash chute where she would have used to hoist herself into the trash chute. Some Redditors say that brushed steel is hard to get prints off of, but I don't know. It just seems like someone wiped it off. It just doesn't make sense to me that a trash chute has none of her fingerprints, neither does the wall. The wall itself is drywall. It's not steel or brushed steel. So that would have had fingerprints on it if she were getting in there. Exactly. If she's trying to, she got to open it. Yeah. But they said they couldn't get her fingerprint on the handle. I did see some Redditors saying, no, brush steel is like a different animal when you try to get fingerprints off of it. But like, it still doesn't make any sense. For me, it doesn't make any sense. Right. So the grandpa, he's like, I want answers. So he goes to the police force with a list of demands. He's like, I want her computer records, her phone records, CCTV. What was her time of death? I want all of the key fob information when they enter and exit the buildings and the floors. I want um, what was that glass that was broken inside the apartment? Like, I want to know all of this. How did she get in the chute? Like, give me all these answers. And the police gave him none of the answers because they had no answers. They just botched the investigation. So they were like, we don't even know the most simplest information, such as her time of death. So I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. The computer and Phoebe's phone were not looked at for months. So by the time the family and the police asked for Phoebe's computer back and taken into evidence, all of her emails had been deleted and there was nothing to look at. So it's unclear if Phoebe deleted all of her emails 
or if somebody else did, but they were just left in Ant's apartment for months after her death. So I'm just saying, I don't know who deleted it, but it's just not looking good. Ant claims that he took the iPhone to be repaired, but that means that she couldn't have sent that weird ass message. Right. So people were just kind of confused about that. Later, he'll switch up his story and say, oh, I think it was like the next day after she was murdered that I took it or not murdered, but like the next day after <sighs> she died that I took it uh-huh. to the repair shop. The repair shop was questioned and they have no receipts, no paperwork. They're just like, oh, I don't know when that guy came in. They also couldn't get any text messages or anything off of her phone. So they had nothing from that or the computer. Now, another interesting thing is that Phoebe had her favorite pair of Prada sunglasses that she wore every single day when she went out. Okay, she Mm -hmm. only wore them when she went out and they were there was a single lens near her. So it seems like she had them on her when she went down the trash chute. Now, let's say you're trying to commit suicide. First of all, why the trash chute? That doesn't make any sense there. I can't find any evidence. I even looked it up. I was like people who have committed trash chute like suicides, right? I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't seem normal. And why would she bring her sunglasses? She's like, I'm not going to leave a suicide note. Like, I'm not going to bring anything. But like, I'm going to bring my favorite pair of sunglasses. I'm not even going to bring my wallet. Like, I'm just going to bring these sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Like, it just didn't make sense. The family was so confused by that. Inside of her purse, inside the apartment, she had her phone charger, which she only put in her purse if it seemed like she was leaving for like a night out or she's not going to come back for like a day or you know for a while so it seemed like she wasn't trying to like leave the earth like she was just trying to leave the apartment almost Mm. so the blood on the apartment they they were tested it was phoebe's but any blood on the computer the computer mouse they didn't test it to see if it was somebody else's or anything they didn't try to find out what that broken glass was they didn't try to find out if it was a cup like nothing so the police come up with this shitty ass theory that she had cut her hand while cleaning up the glass and there was no blood on the glass itself, which makes it even weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, then she took it to the trash chute and maybe this is like the the last straw on the camel's back. She like threw it down the trash chute and was like, you know what? Like I'm done. And then just like entered the trash chute with like super strength fucking captain america strength because she didn't even need to hoist herself up because determination is all it needed like it just doesn't make any sense yeah and now here's what's even crazier okay fine then go in through the trash and tell me was there glass in the trash you know let's find out where the rest of the glass pieces went what else was in the trash they didn't take any of the rubbish from the scene they just like literally threw it away this is insane. So they don't know if any of other Phoebe's belongings were thrown in the trash. They don't know if she had thrown something away recently. They don't even know if there was a suicide note in the trash. I don't think there was because I don't think she committed suicide. But you get it. Like, they just didn't care. They were just like, throw it all away. <laughs> Seven months later, after all of this, um, they find that inside of her jean pocket, there was a phone number written on a piece of paper. Nobody recognized the phone number. The family could not identify it. They went through their contacts. Nobody knew this phone number. Seven months later, how do you autopsy someone and not realize that she has a piece of paper with a phone number in her jean pocket that she passed away in? Not just like a pair of jeans, like the one that she was wearing the day. They look into it. It was connected to a fake name and a fake address. I think that if they got to that number the day that she was found, they could have tried calling it. They could have tried tracing it. But they had closed that phone number down and they had registered it with a fake name and a fake address. So they got nothing now because it was seven months later. Could it be the drug dealer maybe? Well, it was under a name by the name of Tina, but like it could be. Yeah. Right? Now, the apartment also was very easy to access. Like, even though you need key fobs, I Mm -hmm. mean, a lot of the times people were just kind of seen in and out. And it was something that residents did complain about because they're like, this is supposed to be an upscale place and I don't feel safe. I don't know. 
Okay, so they were like complaining about this. Then all of a sudden, a witness came forward and she said that she was in the elevator that day around 4 p.m. And that there was this man who came into the elevator. He was kind of stocky, had this um, dark brown hair, stocky as in like kind of um, stubby, like mm. not as in um, like stalking people, stocky, mm-hmm. but like maybe. And he was carrying an object and that he pressed 12 without a key fob, which means that the front desk had buzzed him in, which means someone on the 12th floor said, yeah, you can send him up. And they tell the police that Eric tells the police that, too. But the police didn't really care. Now, when they finally do start caring, everyone said, oh, I live on the 12th floor. I never buzzed anyone in that day. So nobody knows who this guy is. And nobody knows how he was buzzed into the 12th floor. Okay. It's just like a really. Yeah. So like no one could even identify him. And the police, they were made aware of this the day that she passed. And so they were just like, "Eh, it's fine. It's probably nothing. They didn't even try to identify the guy, try to look into the guy. Nothing. Yeah. Now, here's what's even crazier. Ant's parents were really strange. So the families had met up prior to all of those crazy emails that were being sent about how um, the senior next of kin thing. They had decided to meet up so all of them could grieve together. And Phoebe's parents, like I said, with their memorial, they were kind of expecting the same thing, which is they all expected all of them would kind of like sit and share stories of Phoebe and like hug and kind of try to work through the trauma together because they're all working through this grief, right? But when they get to this meeting, Aunt's parents, the two judges, are sitting there just telling, telling the parents, like, yeah, of course it was suicide. Poor girl was so depressed. Now, (laughs) Phoebe's dad said he was so upset. He didn't want to ruin it for the families, you know, and also they have to kind of work together for the rest of the investigation because he is the senior next of kin, right? Mm -hmm. So he didn't want to do anything bad, but he just wanted to scream, who the fuck are you to diagnose someone? Because they just kept saying, like, yeah, she was so depressed. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you don't even know my daughter. And also, you're not even a psychiatrist I am, so shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, what makes you think you know anything? Yeah. Even Felicity, the stepmom, she kept saying, like, yeah, such a sad thing. But, I mean, she just couldn't handle, you know. She was, she just had to go. It was her time. Wow. Like, saying some bullshit about how she was suicidal. And everyone was just like, what are you talking about? Uh, It just doesn't make any sense. It just seemed like they were trying to convince them the whole time that Phoebe was suicidal. Now, Aunt's close friend came out later to the police later and said, "Uh, hey, yeah, so Ant is acting weird. Um, so whenever I would go over and I would try to comfort him, I'd been friends with him for years. So obviously I wanted to be a, t- a place of comfort when he was going through this hard time. And he would just kind of like watch TV, browse on Facebook, and he would be so normal. But then anytime a police officer or anyone that knew Phoebe visited, he would curl up on the couch in a fetal position and act like he had been there for days. Like, just act like, oh, my God, I'm like, oh, my hair is like this because I haven't showered in days. Like, just acting so different around different Uh people. And so she tells the police that there was a guy by the name of Christopher who works with Ant. And he has no connection with this building, from what I can tell. He doesn't live there. He doesn't have friends who live there other than Ant. But he would come visit Beth, the concierge who found the body. Uh who found Phoebe's body, he would visit her every other day for two weeks, bringing her flowers, saying it must have been such a traumatic thing for you to find Phoebe. But, you know, it's not your fault. Phoebe couldn't be saved because she didn't want to be saved. She was depressed, like almost as if he was brainwashing the concierge that Phoebe was depressed. And she told the police that, too. And she was like, he was weird. I don't even know him. Why is he bringing me flowers? Who are you? And like, why are you talking to me about this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. 
And so it was really weird. So the grandpa, he wouldn't give up. He keeps pressing the police. He's like, you need to do something. You need to do something. And so finally, they're granted an investigation, which is like an inquest, which just means that we're not investigating yet. We're just trying to see if we have enough information to open an investigation. It's not even saying we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's saying, hey, are we going to change our cause of death from suicide to open Mm -hmm. or undetermined? Right. And so that's how we have a lot of the information today is through this inquest. A lot of these witnesses, a lot of these interviews. Right. Mm -hmm. And it would be an incredibly long, painful process for the family. And Mm -hmm. they got a warrant on Ant's computer. Now. Phoebe's computer showed no activity since like, you know, before she passed. So it didn't seem like, you know, Ant was using his computer months after she passed. But on Ant's computer, he had logged onto a coroner's office form, a form for release of a body. And he had downloaded it months before she died. What does that mean? Like he went to the coroner's office website Uh and downloaded a form that you have to fill out to have the body released to you. And he downloaded that form months before she died. Huh. So I think it's just weird that they found this months before she died. And he was so quick to register as senior next of kin. Like you would think that if your girlfriend is found dead, you'd be far too emotional to do anything. Yeah. But he was just like, I need to apply to be senior next of kin. Why does he want to be that so bad? Because you have control over things that happen. Because they can't do anything to her body without your consent. Mm, Okay. To be fair, maybe it was off, but like this wasn't, this was like in 2010. It's not like computers were ancient back then. Mm -hmm. So there is like the, well, maybe the date was wrong. Like maybe the computer acted weird and like set the months. Like maybe he had the date like weird on his computer. Like, you know how you can manually set your time and date? Like maybe he did that. Like there was a lot of that, but I just don't see that. I'm just like, it's 2010. I'm pretty sure it was pretty correct. But who am I, right? So the grandpa also notices that on the pictures of Phoebe's autopsy on her body, there's bruises that aren't listed on the official report. So he's like, how this is an autopsy like this is not what do you this isn't your Chipotle order. Like you can't just leave shit out like you have to fill in every little mark, every little bruise. What are you doing now? When they asked the original coroner about it, they said, oh, it was just some blunt force trauma that I couldn't pinpoint. So I just didn't put it in. And it's just like, what? Blunt force trauma that you couldn't pinpoint? You could. (laughs) Blunt force trauma is like the cause of a lot of deaths, too. So it's like, are you kidding me? Like, well, I don't understand. I do not understand. So the police ask him for another report. They say, we need a different report where you kind of identify these bruises or do something about it. Mm -hmm. Phoebe's family also had to hire an attorney for this entire lengthy process. And they didn't have the money. So they had to raise 16,000 through all of Phoebe's friends and family. And even some of her friends put on like these concerts and they would donate all of the admissions to Phoebe's family for the attorney. Wow. (sighs) And the attorney was really good. They got a lot of doctors to tell the judge, like, even if you were to mix all of these drugs, there has not this is not a common thing where you just compelled to go into the trash chute. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And so Aunt also had an attorney who whose name is Elizabeth and she was close to Aunt's dad. And mm-hmm. she claimed there is no reason for an inquest to say that this is anything but suicide is absurd. 
the bruising and marks. When they redid it, they said that the bruising on her head looked like it. She had almost been hit on the head. It didn't. I mean, whether it looked like she had been hit by something or like struck on the head, it didn't really match up with the whole garbage shoot thing. Like you could kind of try to spin it, but it just made more sense that she was hit on the head with something. Mm-hmm. There were grip marks on her arms, as if someone was like gripping her tightly on her arms, and there was bruising on her left wrist and her neck. The pathologist said, "I am not in a position to exclude the possibility." Of no involvement by other parties, other pathologists said that the grip marks looked like someone was holding her arms, like very, very tightly, trying to shove her into something or trying to shake her or like scaring her or hurting her. Really, there was also lots of dirty footprints that were seen on the twelfth floor hallway from like the trash chute area. Uh-huh. Nobody took pictures of it. Nobody photographed it. Nobody took that into consideration. Like witnesses came forward and was like, "Oh yeah, I saw hella dirty footprints everywhere," but like I don't know. The assistant counsel coroner who helps the coroner right Mm -hmm. told them we should change it to like open like we should change it not saying it's homicide but Mm -hmm. just open like undetermined because of all Mm -hmm. this information that we were provided through the inquest it makes sense like there's no way that this was a natural death or a suicide Mm -hmm. and the coroner was like nope which doesn't make sense because there haven't been a lot of cases apparently in Australian history where the assistant counsel and the coroner aren't on the same page. Mm-hmm. They're usually on the same team. They're working for the same people. It's like the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so he was just like, nope, absolutely not. So the coroner said, I am not changing it because even if it wasn't suicide, it was probably an accident, which means she probably went into the trash chute and then she realized, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And that doesn't make sense because inside the trash chute, it's a trash chute. No one's going in there and cleaning it. Twelve floors down the trash chute. If you're free falling, you're going to try to grip onto something. You're going to try to stop yourself. You're going to at least touch a wall. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly dirty. And Phoebe's hands were not dirty. So if you're saying it's not suicide and it was an accident that, you know, just tragically happened, she would try to stop herself. No. Mm -hmm. Then the coroner's defense turned to, well, I talked to Phoebe's therapist and they said that Phoebe was the most suicidal she had ever been. So it's like, that doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean anything. Now, here's where it gets worse. The inquest said that it was closed. The judge said, that's it. Then the coroner says that it's it's not you know, open, so it's suicide or an accident. The family, they had a law firm reach out to them that said, I can appeal this for you pro bono, but we don't advise you to do it because if you lose, we will have to charge you like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like it's, there's no law firm who wouldn't. And so most cases are lost in these situations. So we're just letting you know, I wouldn't do it if I were you. So they didn't. Now, and he just moved on with his life. He started, you know, moving on, hanging out with friends. He got a new girlfriend. He got married. He got divorced. He got a new girlfriend, like all of this. And then June 2018, the case blows wide open again because Ant's girlfriend at the time was found dead. 25-year-old Bailey Snyder was a dancer and a model, and she lived at home with her parents. Now, the day of her death, after work, she went to, like, this party in a fancy neighborhood. Now, the house party belonged to a friend of Aunt's, but Aunt wasn't in attendance, so, like, he didn't go. And I'm sure that pissed him off. So she stayed out all night. She gets home around 8.30 in the morning. Her parents are on their way out, headed for the day, and they saw her. The last moment that they saw her, she was crying on the phone with Aunt. Like, they were in this crazy fight. She was just crying and crying and crying. And they were obviously worried for her but they they went to work now when they came back home she was dead 
She was slumped over on the kitchen floor with a cord around her neck. The police get there and they immediately rule it a suicide. Now here's where it gets weird. There was nowhere in the kitchen where she could have possibly physically hung herself from. And when you ask the police, hey, where do you think she hung herself from? They're like, we don't really know, but it was suicide. What? Yeah. It seemed more like a strangulation than anything, but they just kept saying that she hung herself, but they couldn't explain how she did it or where she could have done that. Like there was no, there was like, there's nothing. They don't collect any evidence. They don't check her phone. They don't check anything. And so finally her parents start freaking out. The press now is very suspicious of Ant. Okay. In Australia, they're like, what the fork dude. And so finally Bailey's parents were allowed to have her death reclassified. And now they're looking into her death. June, 2020, They ruled Bailey's death was a suicide with self-inflicted asphyxiation. They're saying, okay, like if she couldn't have hung herself, she probably still just strangled herself. Like asphyxiation is just strangling pretty much. So they still didn't really give insight on how she could have done that because, you know, the parents are like, where in our kitchen could she have hung herself? And it's very uncommon for someone to strangle themselves to death in a suicide. Just as how it's very uncommon for someone to commit suicide by putting themselves down a trash chute yeah isn't like human nature that you you have to let go to get catch a breath but also like if you live on the 12th floor you could jump out the balcony or a window or go to the rooftop that you have access to like why the trash chute so like none of this makes sense she had alcohol and cocaine in her system so of course that led to the police being like see it was obviously suicide because she was under the influence nobody was named a suspect or a person of interest Now, Phoebe's case is still ruled an accident. And I'm not saying I think it's aunt. And neither does Phoebe's family. Like Phoebe's family is saying, I'm not saying it's aunt, but we know that someone else was involved. There's no way nobody was involved. There's no way that this was her own doing. And I feel that with both of these deaths. Yeah. Just neither of them makes sense. And that's where we are. That's insane. So he's just going to get away with it pretty much because they closed both their cases. I don't even know what to say. I'm so mad. What do you think? Why the cops? Do you think the cops are so... I I feel like it's connections. I think because a lot of the cops who are in Australia, they even looked at the case and they were like, what the fuck? Like, that's not how we were trained. Like, we Mm. went to the same academy. (laughs) Hello. Like, we all go through the same method. Is Ant's parents very powerful? Very powerful. I believe his dad was a former Supreme Court judge in Australia. Oh, hell no. Yeah. So they are incredibly... He's retired now, um, or at the time he was retired, but Supreme Court judges usually have lots of connections, especially with law enforcement and the DA's office and other judges and other situations and coroners. And they all work together, you know? That's how they solve cases. You've got the police working with the coroner. You've got them working with the DA and then the judges and the prosecutors. So it's like a, it's a community of people who know each other. And some of them have crazy amounts of power. Personally, I think... I think someone definitely is involved. And I think if it's not Ant, something's weird because he is doing himself a disservice with all these funky, fresh things that he's doing. Because if it really isn't him, he's making it look like it's him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, if it really ain't you, Ant, you need a better attorney. You need better brains. You need a tutor. You need a PR tutor or something because you look like a fool. You look like a dick face. So that is the story of Phoebe. This one makes me so emotional. I don't think I've ever related so much to a victim. Like just her being 
just like figuring out her life and this happens and then everyone being like well she had some issues it's like who's 23 and doesn't have issues so let me know what are your thoughts on this one and i hope you guys enjoyed and one last disclaimer for the supreme court judges in the back i'm not saying anyone's guilty especially not aunt i'm not saying anybody i'm not saying this is murder this is completely just my own personal opinion and legally nobody's guilty and i'm not saying they are bye